0: Hitler, Roswell, JFK, cryptozoology and NSA, global warming and eleven government lies. Tell them all about it, those conspiracy guys.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Those Conspiracy Guys. This time, we're talking about possibly one of the most dirtiest cunts in history this motherfucker, a groomer, a child molester, and uh, he wasn't like a musician or a comedian or anything, he was just like a regular guy, uh, who ran his own candy company, and lured kids into his white van, and then tied him up and fucked him to death, I mean, it's a, cla- it's a tale as old as time, uh, like I can hear Angela Lansbury now say, tale as old as time, like a white van with no windows in it. But it was the 70s, so kids didn't know any better. I think this guy, Dean Corll is his name. The candy man, was the uh, the impetus for every mother uh, to say to their child, don't take sweets off of strangers. Because this lad was the fucking OG sweet giver. He made his own sweets. He wasn't even secondhand sweets. It was like he made his own sweets. So in a way, maybe he deserved those kids. Do you know? Ingenuity. Um, this episode of Those Conspiracy Guys uh, is about Dean Corll, the Candyman. And if you have anything you want to say, you want to add, you want to complain, or mostly if you want to say nice things, you can send me an email, info at or you can get on any of the social media we have. There's loads and loads and loads of different sites, services, apps, all sorts of shit. And I'm fed up with calling them all out. So whatever ones we're on now and on into the future... You'll be able to find that by clicking on the magic link in the description below, whether you're watching this or listening to it on a podcast app. It's going to be like a little link tree. You click on it and all the stuff that's available, you can click in there and find me. DM me. And also, the lovely people at Patreon who support this show and uh, keep the tea in the mugs and the lights on over here at TCG Towers. Uh, You guys are amazing. Thanks so much for supporting the show. And if you are listening to this show and you want to support it too, uh, go to patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys. The link is in the magic link below. Uh, You'll be able to get behind-the-scenes footage, outtakes and funny bits and bobs, uh, live shows from long and ever ago. Um, The secret season one and season two episodes that have been uh, taken off of the main feed, you'll be able to get those as well. And every single other episode in the back catalogue, ad-free. So if you're fed up listening to ads, then that's the place to be. For $2, you can get all the ad-free episodes and you'll be able to watch all the live streams on video uh, watch us in the studio and see our lovely faces, for $5 and up. So, I mean, get a fiver, roll it up, and poke it up the internet, and uh, help your friendly neighbourhood podcaster uh, continue on with the mission. So patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys is the place to do that. So join me in the studio today to talk about Dean Corll. We have comedian, writer, uh, psychonaut, traverser of the other realms, and uh, all-around sound cunt, Mr. Andrew Gilmore. How are you doing, Mr. Crack?
2: Hello, Gordo. What's the crack? How are you, man? Good to
1: see you. Thanks for coming.
2: Yeah, nice to see you, man. That's what's uh
1: what's the crack? Yeah, it's all good, man. <coughs> I'm uh, I, I reached out to you a while ago. We are old comedy buddies. And uh I remember seeing you on stage many a night, ripping it up. And I said, if there's one man that could talk about the candy man, I rang you and I went, What I want you want you on the show? What, what episode do you want to do? <laughs> and you were like, what have you, what have you got? What have you got this dark? What have you got this weird? <laughs> and we managed to settle on Dean Corll, which is p- probably one of the, I think we did we did one on the murder of Mark Kilroy there uh, a little while ago, and it was like a satanic sex cult ritual murder by Mexican drug cartels or whatever. Like, this one is not too far away from that. Mm. Um, Texas seems to be a pretty dark place for murders. Uh what made you pick Dean Corll? Did you know much about it?
2: No, you explained a little bit about it to me on the phone, and uh, I liked it. But then as I de- as I dug more deeply into
1: it, I thought, Jesus, this yeah. is heavy going, like you know, heavy going. But also like it has shades of you know, Pizzagate and child trafficking, and it yeah. it seems to me to go deeper. Mm. Uh, it definitely has notes of John Wayne Gacy around it, and mm. um, you know, cajoling children into a van. Yeah, your mate. Yeah.
2: Bringing your mates, or, you know...
1: That's and, a part of it that's not really talked about much either.
2: You know, getting getting stoned with your mates. <laughs> and then, you know, someone takes out a pair of handcuffs. And you're like, uh, at a party, you know. Yeah, yeah, you'll put them on, won't you? You will put them on, you know. And you're just messing... There will be... A, there's probably a point in it where, you know, one of his mates is sitting there going, like, I... I don't know whether it's the weed or the or the <laughs> rape board, but I'm starting to feel paranoid.
1: <laughs> you know? The spice is starting to get to me, man. Yeah, I fucking yeah. she just got normal weed. Um, yeah, the 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 torture board that we'll talk about later on in this mm. episode seems to uh, crop up again and again. I listened to a shitload of podcasts about it. Mm. Uh, I read a good portion of the book, um, The Candyman, and do uh, you know, like all the websites, like are talking about it, and blah 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 and the torture board. But when you get into what it actually was and mm. how we dispatched to these young lads. Um, it seems to be so brutal from a man that was well regarded as like a nice dude. Mm. It seems to come out of nowhere. That we we've seen that a lot, I guess, in our yeah. profession. Nice, seemingly yeah. nice dudes ending yeah, up turning yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. turning into awful cunts. But like yeah, I yeah. mean this shit is hiding in plain sight, right?
2: Really is, yeah. I mean the the guy was uh what I read on um, one uh, one of the sites there. He w- he went for two years to look
1: after his grandmother. Yeah, in his in his late teens. You yeah. know, like benevolence on one side. Yeah, brutal rape and torturous murder on the other side.
2: Yeah, I I I, I don't know. I swings around about you now. Can't understand it, man. Yeah, yeah.
1: But um, Tell people where they can find you, Andrew, and, and, and find uh, a lot of your material and your stuff. I have some st- uh, stand-up on YouTube. Cool, yeah. So, YouTube, Andrew Gilmore uh, Comedy. I put the links in the description. And if somebody wanted to follow you, not in the street, but maybe online, uh, um, what, have you got your Twitter, your Instagram? Yeah, but I never really and, use <laughs> a-
2: Andrew Comedy is Twitter, so...
1: Cool. At Andrew Comedy. Yeah. Yeah, we get that going on. And, um... I suppose if you have any gigs and stuff coming up, if the, I mean, the coronavirus has fucked up everybody's business.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's no gigs.
1: I'm not doing Zoom gigs or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you have self-respect, this suppose. Self-respect, yeah. 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 The Zoom <laughs>
2: gigs really... It's just heartbreaking. Unless they're
1: amazing, yeah. they're terrible.
2: Yeah. Do you know? And yet you're not getting the reaction from the audience, so it's, it's hard to... It's a weird...
1: If you're able to do it and not need the reciprocation... Mm. Like, some people can just go, but, 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 like, I mean, true podcast and the medium of mm. podcasting, I figured out, like, yeah, we can just do the thing and mm. hope and pray, Yeah, you know, yeah. open your heart and the audience will enjoy it, like, snick- they're sniggering to themselves, like, in their offices <laughs> with the headphone <laughs> up their sleeve, like, when they're trying yeah. to fucking, you know, most people are working from home now and they just have it on speakers with no pants on and just mm. rocking around with the dressing going open in their jocks or whatever and nobody cares, but, um, I know people listen to it in their office and they sneak away and they're laughing at some awful, terrible, dark joke. And someone's yeah. like, what are you laughing at? And they're like, um, I can't explain <laughs> this. Sorry. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, the place to be, though, um, is online, man. we got to get mm. you online. we got to get your, mm. your, open your brain out to the internet. Maybe. Yeah,
2: just, you know, I've, I'm late to the party, you know. <laughs> yeah, but
1: uh. we'll find out later on what happens when you come late to the party. Dean Carl says. But, um... Yeah, it doesn't. I, 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 people are asking me, like friends and, and comedians and other people in the in the industry, mm. ask me like, "Oh man, yeah, it's probably too late to start a podcast." There's loads of fucking podcasts. There's always room for another good show, mm. and I say that to anybody out there that's thinking about making a podcast or thinking about, oh, you know, like I'm fucking at my wits' end and I want to talk about this stuff and all. Just make the show. Mm. Just put it together, make it. If it's good, it'll float, and if it's not, it'll sink. And you just say, "Oh, well, I tried." Like it's not because there's a saturation. This is not like TV, where it's a certain sized pipe and you can only fit so much stuff through it. Mm. Like the pipe is literally infinite, and yeah, if it's good, yeah. people will find it. You know. Yeah,
2: yeah. You never know. You never know. I'm a, in I'm, the future, a, yeah. I'm a
1: podcast evangelist. I get you on board. <laughs> uh, and if you're listening in the future to this, the Andrew Gilmore podcast <laughs> is available. And all. <laughs> uh, get, maybe, maybe it could be. It could be. Uh, you and and two of your friends talking about what it's like to be a woman in the modern age and you call it the Gilmore Girls. Possibly not. We man, can make yeah, something yeah. like that, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll spitball it later on. <laughs> um. So yeah, Dean Corll, what a fucking crazy bastard. Yeah. What um, were your first impressions? Fuck
2: yeah. I, 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 at first I just thought, okay, he was raping and killing guys and um, yeah, he's a psycho. But but as time, uh, you know, as I read more into it, did the... He was a sick fuck, like you know, this, yeah. this fucking the uh, glass uh, rods down the flute, <laughs> oh, man. Holy yeah. fuck,
1: man! I know, I know. What the fuck? It, it escalated quite quickly, and you would yeah. imagine you would imagine that um, somebody who's that well respected in the community wouldn't turn like that. But we see time and time again with these true crime episodes, and 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 some of the older ones as well. You know, like uh, like the Joseph Fritzlens and stuff like that. These guys on the front, on mm. the on, you know, to to most people seem Normal, well adjusted people like mm. priests or whatever, mm. pillars of the community, and then they use that status to be able to take advantage of people who are in vulnerable positions, let's say. Yeah, um, I think Dean Carl de- definitely did do that, and he's known as the candy man, uh, because he used sweets to kind of you know ingratiate himself into the kids and mm. and lure them into a false sense of security. Mm. Um, not so much as, say, maybe Joseph Condro who was, like, preying on all of his mate's kids doing babysitting, and he'd be like, here, I'll mind your kids, and then the kids were getting, like, groomed and, like, raped mad, you know, or like Ian Huntley, who ingratiated himself to the local authorities and ended up getting a job in a school and then ended up, like, raping and killing the two kids from his girlfriend's primary school where she worked mm. and these guys they'll ingratiate themselves they'll groom their way into a relationship with either the parents or the guardians or some kind of like it's a people would view like a a, a, a rapist or a, or a child molester or somebody who's gonna like snatch your kid you know the van pulls up like eh! screeches up beside the double doors open yoink like to pull the child in mm. and drive off and then just have like a mad frenzy and then chop up in bits like Jamie Bulger and throw in, in front of a train or something that's not how it happens but usually. And Dean Gord, I think, has been overlooked, and we'll talk more about that at the end, has been overlooked as, like, one of the most prolific boy like boy rapists of all time. But he also was one of the best groomers and one of the best, like, Svengali puppet masters uh, probably of ever mm. to be able to manipulate people into committing these terrible crimes along with them. Uh, Because he did have his cohort, uh, Elmer Wayne Henley as well, to do the crimes with him. Like, this wasn't done on his own. It's a really long process. It's a really long process of grooming, ingratiation, relationship building. And then at the time when the victim feels the most safe, Mm -hmm. like he starts lobbing dicks into them. Like (coughs) It's a lot of work, isn't it? It's a lot of work to get Mm -hmm. what you want. Mm -hmm. But when you've decided that's what you want... Yes, it seems to be like I'm watching some of these. I don't know if you watch them because you're probably a normal person. Do you ever watch these um, Instagram channels or like uh, Reddit subreddits where they have these lads who are like pedo hunters? Oh uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen them online. Yeah, yeah, already. Yeah. And they and they'd go into these like texting relationships. Like they put the bait out there mm. and go like thirteen year old girl, blah blah blah. Um. And then these lads start messaging him, like, hey, honey, how are you? Like, love your dance on TikTok or whatever. Mm. And then within a few months, it's all like, so come here, listen, like, um, when I meet you, like, we are going to have sex, right? You are going to, like, put your mouth on it and all. Mm. And you watch on on the Instagram channel, like, the girl, this girl pre- pretending, like, a 25-year-old girl pretending to be, like, a 13-year-old going, yeah, sure, I mean, I don't really know. Mm. And they're pulling these lads in, and they're at this shit for months and months, and it's Incremental. So small, like, are the steps to complicity uh, or complicity that these girls don't even notice it if they're real, do you know? Hmm. But to see it being done to a 25-year-old who knows the crack and who says the right thing to make him think, oh, okay, cool, boxed off, next level, boxed hmm. off, next level, and it goes and goes and goes like a frog jumping closer to the wall. It's just... It's such a long time... Of breaking down someone's psychology into just like doing what you want,
2: yeah. Just for for the for the orgasm, you know. Why don't why don't they get? To, why don't they go for a, uh, you know, an older person that looks young? You
1: yeah. Know, what's what's the crack? Of like that? an eighteen-year-old twink or like, yeah, just you know, some young hairless young lad who's like yeah. nineteen. He's of he age.
2: Yeah. Some guys look. Some guys are thirty They look sixteen. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know, get a young-looking model or. or they, are pedo dolls out there is there any kind of dolls that are life
1: size i used to i i no. in my stand up set i don't know if you remember mm. i i used to joke because there was like a proliferation of of paedophiles in the town that i was from mm. wexford and uh at the time that i was doing the stand up i think it was 2009 and 10 there was like all of these cases coming out and you know it was the the jimmy savile era 2011 mm. like um Ralph Harris and, and I, was just pedos, 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 pedos all over the fucking news all the time. And I was like, How can we not do something about this? Hmm. And I said, There was a, a doll when we were young and it was called Baby Wee Wees. Do you remember that? <laughs> no. It's this doll you can get and Baby Wee Wees. And it upset me like t- at, a, at, a, at a, like a really visceral level mm. that this was a doll that on the fucking telly, on the ads and Saturday morning cartoons, it was like, Baby Wee Wees, <laughs> for you and for me. And 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 then the girl just couldn't go on. and go yunk and and eat his pants off him. Mm. And he had a little dick and a little scrotum. And he used to squeeze his belly, and like piss would come out of his willy. Mm. So you put the nappy on a baby wee wee's and pull the nappy up. Give him a squeeze, <laughs> and you give him a squeeze. He does all <laughs> these wee's, and he pisses into the thing. And you get the the opportunity as a as you know a young girl five or six years old to change a doll's nappy and have a mm. be you know. He also, there was also dolls that did poos, and mm. you'd have to, like, mix up the porridge mix and pour it into, like, a hole in their back, mm. and then you'd be like, oh, and then squeeze it, and then the shit into a nappy, and you take mm. that. So, I mean, obviously, there, there, these, there's these dolls that are not being sold anymore, like, the kids are not mad into it, they're all about their mm. Nintendo Switches and their iPads and whatever, right? Mm. So, like, surely there's loads of these dolls that can be repurposed, like, you know, lash a fleshlight into yeah. one of them and like have lads buy them and just like take take out your whatever on that if that's what you're into Hmm. I, I i've since realized that that is a hilarious premise for a comedy bit the line was uh yeah uh, you know if you've a, if you've a <laughs> <laughs> if you've a doll that can shit it means it have a it has a butthole and if it has a butthole it means you can fuck it like yeah, that, I, and it was funny on stage in the mm. context of what I was saying, mm. but but since I found out, like, oh no, you're just like normalizing and almost condoning that behavior. Mm. So like, if they get used to like fucking like a a, a doll with a fleshlight in it, mm. then they, 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 that won't satisfy them. The next step is they'll want they'll want. Uh, you know, a baby Like your man from fucking Come here, mate what's the, what's the Stone Temple Pilots Or something I mean, Maybe it's the wrong band You know that guy He was like He used to oh, like Oh,
2: the Lost Prophets Lost Prophets, yeah. that's it
1: The Lost Prophets guy Used to have sex These. With like five month old babies These. I mean Talk about a fella who should be sliced Jesus. up like a fucking gatto. <laughs> oh,
2: he's man, chop that thing up. Chop, <laughs> chop him that. up like a fucking Swiss roll, man. Yeah, making me. Eat You're yeah.
1: eating like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like, like, um, like white pudding. Big time, man. Yeah. But like, like five month old babies that's and stuff. Just fucking. That's fucked, man. So like, I, I've I've since realized like that, that that accepting that and Nambla and all this kind of shit is almost ingratiating or, or accepting that lifestyle, but, and it absolutely should not be accepted in any way. <laughs> But the fucking, it's built into that Mm. sexual gratification mentality, Andrew, where these guys will incrementally and very slowly and very patiently just chip away these little, you know, these little layers, like some kind of dendrochronological, psychological manipulation, you know, pulling Mm. away the fucking, each layer of bark for a hundred years of like anti-pedophilic social acceptance, you know, peeling away until eventually they have shit on netflix like cuties did you see that shit
2: i haven't seen it but i heard i heard the rigmarole about yeah uh, so yeah.
1: like you know little little french muslim girls doing doing twerk and stripper dances at 11 years of age and mm. and and everyone's like oh it's a masterpiece and it's like no man it's fucking stripper kids mm. not cool bro mm. and there, there's a there's a lawsuit out now that they're, they're suing netflix for like uh, promoting and distributing like um, gratuitously over-sexualized child material or some shit like that mm. So like people are standing up against the acceptance of these types of behaviors mm. and Dean Carl was like one of the first dudes to make society aware that there are cons driving around in windowless vans picking up your kids to tie into a board and, and fuck them to death but before that it was like kind of like oh nobody talks about that it's not going to happen mm. do you know yeah 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 He's like the Elvis of, like, child rap. <laughs> before anyone did ev- anything, Dean Corll did everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
2: yeah, 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 yes. He's, he's the Muhammad Ali of child rap. Right yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. How so pretty. I'll
2: take your kids.
1: <laughs> uh, what is it? I I, I I hit the light switch and a heavy kitty in the bed before the lights go out. Like, <laughs> I'm so fast. Like, that's the fucking, yeah, yeah, It's yeah. it's very, very disturbing. And... I'm I'm guessing by your like by your reaction of like, yeah, it's mad. Uh you haven't thought about this as much as I have. <laughs> It's a professional hazard. I have to say, like this is this is the profession that I've somehow chosen, um, to try and get into the minds of these people. But in, in analysing it, it make me an awful lot less suspicious or less I guess less like negatively um it'd take out the negative intent that most people have for like general society. Like oh, I wouldn't be afraid of like, a grown man interacting with my future children. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, I think, and I've worked in retail and stuff like that, there's a mad atmosphere over the last, like, five or six years of if there's a man who seems to be a little bit too interested in communicating with children, mm. then he's automatically considered to be a paedophile. And that, where it might be an overprotective or, like, overzealous... um distancing of kids from grown men because of possibly the ch- threat of rape, sure. It's why traditionally, you know, girls babysit kids because they don't have a dick so they can't fuck them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> or they're not just like wanking all over your house which is, if you have a 15 year old kid it's, it's probably, you know, he'd rub well, his dick it. off all the fucking <laughs> surfaces in the house, right? So like what, what it's really doing is it's taking away positive male role models from the world's children. Mm. So that they can't, the kids can't then see, like a friendly, positive male outside of their father or uncles or grandfather. They're not allowed to kind of interact with strangers who are men. It's true, yeah. In any way, it's 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 almost like taking away the power of um, men in public to be able. Uh, like, I'm af- I'd be afraid to interact with a child. You know the way you're on the Lewis or you're on a bus or something. Mm. <laughs> you're like what? making faces at some kid across the aisle and. You Know and then, like, you'd look up and there's two or three people looking at you with a disgusted face, like, Oh, you dirty bastard! And I'm like, mm. That's just a child that's like looking at nothing. And I was just having to crack mm. with you relax, and you're like, No, you're fucking that's the first step towards grooming that baby. I was like, I don't even know that baby, mm.
2: yeah. It's 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 crazy. I wouldn't go near a kid now, but years ago, like, you'd lift the lift kid up on a slide and yeah, just in helping, the park, out. helping out and grand and. But now, you know, our hugging, it's, yeah. it's, it's well, I know with the crown and people aren't hugging anymore, but it's all this uh, fisting or high fives or something with kids, you know.
1: Fist bumping, you mean. Fist bumping, yeah. Yeah, fisting is a different thing. we were talking about that yeah, later yeah. on. <laughs> I didn't shake his hand. I just fisted him. <laughs> Relax. Um, it is, yeah, you can't, you can't really interact on any physical level or any, even like social level, do you know? Mm. Like. I guess if you're sending your kids over on a play date to somebody else's house, um, you'd expect them to be safe. You'd expect them not to come back with, like, I don't know, a subscription to a fucking Guns and Ammo magazine or, like, saying, ooh, ah, up the ra or whatever. Yeah, but you, you will as well. But you'd expect, like, a level of care so that they don't see, like, fucking Hellraiser 2 or they don't end up mm. accidentally watching porn or something. Mm. Like, you would expect, like, yeah, you're going to mind the child. But why is there then this like vilification of the man is going to get you? Mm. Which I was always told as a kid, like if you don't be good, the man is going to come and get the you. Man, yeah. There was what now, is the man?
2: The faceless man, yeah. Oh, the man's going to be here on Thursday and we're going to give it to you. He could put you in a black bag and yeah, you know, take all this you kind away. Of, you know, if you don't
1: behave yourself, yeah, The fella in the van will come mm. take you away, and you're like, what? It's just like anti Santa, yeah. You
2: know? I'd, I'd never heard you know, when we were chatting before you were talking about the the uh, the like the man in the van kind of thing that was a the, uh, a mythical thing to to me living in Dublin I, you know I'd never heard of anyone that actually Got you know yeah, it, it was it was always a story of a story but it was yeah. never you know it was ne- never anything concrete you know you never
1: actually knew anyone that was taken away in a van no Did you, do you know I, someone that was taken away in a van I don't I was nearly abducted myself mm. that's what you're saying yeah uh, when I was a kid and it was a car mm-hmm. I think it was like a Ford Escort something like that mm. and it would have like I guess pulled me in through the passenger window and driven off with me but I didn't make it to the car and my uncle had seen me out through the kitchen window at my nanny's house which is next door and I was out on the road and the woman came up and goes can you tell us how to get to such and such a place and I was like yeah you go down the street and you turn left and you go down the, down the road and you talk he's like well can you come here can you come up and tell the driver I, I wouldn't be able to remember all those directions you're a great lad. Aren't you a great lad for the directions? And I was like, <gasps> validation. Mm. And I was like, sure I will. And, uh, b- you know, bopped down seven or eight years of age, bopped down to the fucking car. And as it was going down, like, my uncle ran out. was here, what's going on? What's going on? Like, come here, come here, come here. And pulled me in and he gave me the directions and they, and a few c- kind of coarse words and then they fucked off, you know. Now, you don't think they were just looking for directions then? Yeah, but why was the car parked, like, away down the road and... Away from the house, like it was a good like, hundred fifty feet away from the front of the house, and so no one would see. Okay, yeah, yeah. The woman said, "Like, come down to the car. To a seven-year-old child, come down to the car and give the directions that she couldn't remember them from the fucking walk.
2: Okay, from me to the fucking yeah, car. yeah, yeah. Just
1: yeah. everything about it seems suspicious. In the aftermath, I wasn't realizing at the time. I was like, oh, I was totally fine about it. Yeah, but again, incremental. Do you know? Jesus, man, you could have been in a dungeon for the last yeah. twenty-five. years Maybe or I am, and this yeah. whole this whole thing is a psychological recreation of. You know, my. Yeah, maybe, maybe I, all are, yeah. But yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. We're all caught in our trauma and it's manifesting itself as 2020. But yeah, it's, it just seems like um, the man in the van thing never really transpired in real life. And yet, the Magdalene laundries were taking children off of people and sending them off, and priests were diddling kids. And, and the parents weren't like, oh, you better behave yourself or Father Murphy's going to come over here and finger you tomorrow. Mm. <laughs> it's like. Uh, what are you talking about? He already fingered me today. Like I was serving <laughs> mass this morning. <laughs> like I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. I paid my price. Do you know what I mean? Um, that's the fucking <laughs> that's the that's the deal. They were they were they were threatening this thing that wasn't real and mm. ignoring the thing that was real. Mm. And Dean Carl was as fucking real as they come. Oh, certainly was. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? We get into Dean anyway. Like I said, anything on the show that uh, tickles your gicker or, or you want to fucking you know talk about something uh, around these topics that we're going to be talking about info at thoseconspiracyguys.com uh, right so young Dean Dean Arnold Carl, born on Christmas Eve 1939 in Indiana to reasonably conservative parents Mary and Arnold Arnold was very strict on his children and Mary possibly being objected to uh, uh, Arnold's strictness too was very easy on Dean and very overprotective they divorced in 1946 uh, just uh, seven years short years later. And Mary brought her sons, Dean and Stanley, to live with her in a trailer in Memphis, Tennessee, because Arnold was stationed there after being drafted in the Air Force. And she wanted to have, at least if they were divorced, she wanted to have at least some kind of contact or some kind of fatherly figure, which is responsible enough of a woman in 1946 America, to be fair. Uh, at this point, uh, Charlie Mance's ma was selling him as a as a small newborn baby for a pitcher of beer. So, like, fair play to Mary for uh, keeping the fucking lid on it, you know? (laughs) So, Dean is uh, usually the way with these lads. He was a shy loner, but he was overly worried about other people all the time. Maybe this came from his overprotective mother and it was drilled into him and this became his love language. He was like, if I extra mind you, that means I like you or whatever. But we'll see later on, it was a technique then he used to quickly ingratiate himself to younger people in need of a hug and a chat and a shoulder to cry on and someone to listen to the story. Um I mean it is the predator's way. You catch more you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Uh but if your flies are children, uh your honey should be like hugs and possibly sweets rather than yeah. a Sally Switch or a Waven Pipe or whatever, you know. His home life then in this trailer park existence was turbulent and uncertain. And his parents tried to re- re- reconcile their marriage in 1950, but by 1953, these old habits for Arnold were back and they split up again. So, obviously, this pull and push, this tug of war of love that Dean was subjected to uh, with his parents, I, I'd say that it would fuck anybody up. Like, I don't know, can anybody say who've had parents that divorced or split up or if they were raised in single-parent families that they wouldn't have liked to be raised in a, in a, a family that was, like, secure, settled... That had both parents, be it like two women, two men, or a man and a woman, or whoever, that they'd have the love and support of two people rather than like one very stressed out parent.
2: Yeah, maybe I mean he didn't have it too hard. He on a sweet bleeding factory, you know what I mean? He was living after him, really. His Mary,
1: Mary pulled her finger out. You see, mm. so Mary, Mary was used to Anne like wearing the trousers, mm. and you're talking about like post-war America where the picket fences and the fucking hi, Arthur, hi. Mm. Driving your Ford, whatever, Firebird and yeah. white picket fence and everyone's wearing like a pinafore and a gingham dress and they have all their fucking, all their appliances and the the, the cake whisks and, mm. you know, all these new kitchen counters and everybody was fucking like, yeah, it was like Fallout or whatever. Yeah. And Mary was like in a trailer in Tennessee after coming from that with Arnold during the war mm. and on into the early 50s. And then she got like turfed out in her hole and she has two sons She's living in a trailer in Memphis. Like that's the recipe mm. for white trash. Like,
2: mm. Yeah, but it's it's hard going, all right. But I mean, I don't know, it's still not going to...
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, like the same as like um, a load of other serial killers we talk about. So I was the mother, do you know? Mm. Relatively, Dean Carl didn't have it that bad. Mm. I'm just saying like the reasons for his... Skills in emotional manipulation, and the skills in his, or the 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 maybe the the detriment in his need for emotional, um, reassurance, his his aversion to being abandoned, his fear of betrayal, his fear of being left behind. We'll see later on in the relationships between Brooks Henley and 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 Dean. Like if he made a relationship which he could he could love easily, mm. but he didn't want to let it go, and if he did. Let it go. It was going to be only through death mm. that he would allow that to be finished. So these, like these, p- p- the emotional tug t- tug of war that his parents were putting on him, the change of scenery, the um, the lack of stability, mm-hmm. like that's enough, like to push a lad into doing some fucked up stuff.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean.
1: It wasn't that bad. He wasn't getting bent around the place or whatever. It
2: wasn't too bad. I mean, there was a roof over their heads. Yeah, their mother was there. Their brother was there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe in a trailer park, he was getting rallied by one of the the local white trash. You
1: know, I, I, as far as I could find, he he doesn't say it. Like they they never said that about him getting sexually abused when he was a child. I don't know where this. You know, the abusers end up being abu- ab- mm. abused. End up being abusers. Or whatever. There was no real um, proof that that was. The case, I, cou- I could, not find or her hear mm. any of it anyway, and all the stuff that I listened to and read. So long was he in the trailer park for like. Was it... That's what I mean. He was in it for only a year, a year and a half, two years, uh-huh. and they they got back together, and then they broke up again, and then they moved on to Texas. Mary took the lads and moved to Texas, mm. uh as she had met a new man called Jake West, and they had another child in 1955. So he had a little sister, and now they had like, a, a, you know, another relationship. It's mm. the mid 50s, and he's, you know, he's with a man who's not his father. Mm. His father had tried to come back and has gone again. Like you know, you'd have that uh, attachment to your birth father, even if you have a stable home in some some other man's house. Mm. I don't know. Like I have a, a pretty nuclear family, like of t- you know, two brothers and a man house who are still together after fifty years and all that mm. stuff. But like some some of the shit that happens in houses that from the outside seem totally normal and nuclear and you know everything's fine. Like that's where some of the worst stuff happens. Sometimes yeah, you don't yeah. have to be like a single mother living in a trailer park for it to have a shit life. Mm. you could have a totally fine life. Yeah, yeah. But Uh, it's just the emotional and psychological damage. Whatever happened to Dean, it's not as much as other serial killers or like rapists and murderers that we've talked about on the show. mm. But whatever it was, whatever triggered it, Mm -hmm. like it's not from nature. This thing, I I, I never feel like true evil is in somebody's nature. So something happened along the way that made him deficient of the ability to feel love. Mm. Now it could have been, he, he, he's latently homosexual, that he couldn't deal with those urges. It's 1950s America and he's like, well I can't be gay. Like the only way that I'm going to get to fuck a boy is if I kidnap him and fuck him and then kill him so he can't tell anybody. Yeah, that's that could true, be it. yeah, yeah. That yeah. could be it. Mm. But at the same time, could he not tell his family? Could he not try and even, like, <laughs> if you were secretly gay and you didn't want anyone to know she are like, oh, man, I could try and tell, like, me brother or, like, me ma to see what they say. Maybe they won't like it, but, like, just to see. No, you know what? I'll just go straight to, like, pff, kidnapping two kids at a time and tying them to a board and then fucking them up the arse with a giant dildo mm. and then shooting them in the head. That's probably what they'll do. Like, it's a big leap. <laughs> it is a big
2: leap, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Yeah, it's frightening, really. Yeah. Um, but in these shows, we kind of try and figure out, like... What happened to make him that way? Because obviously something happened for everybody <coughs> to do the things that they do, mm. do you know? Um, I'm dying to know. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I say it out already. I can't find it. I can't find anything that like mm. screams at me like this is why Dean Coral is fucked. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense. Um, like you said, like he didn't have a that bad. He ended up then, like I said, moving in with Jake West into the West's family home in Texas and uh, they had a new little sister, Joyce. And in 1963, Mary got her finger out, and she ended up developing her own business in the small town of Vidor or Vidor, Vidor. I'm going to call it Texas. Uh, this came from a little cottage operation that she that she started after the birth of Joyce, and she used her con- country cooking knowledge to make pecan delicacies and praline that she called the Pecan Prince. You say do you say praline praline praline? Okay, we'll say praline then. Praline seems to be a bit pretentious. If you're gonna be praline. <laughs> <laughs> or like those uh shell you know, those shell sweets you get at the, the what are they called? Goulian, Goulian. What are they shell sweets? Yeah, they look like seashells. I haven't seen them. And they're them. all pra, they're all praline. No man. Have you ever see those shits? In no, no, no. little you just go into like three euro or something like that, and it's like twenty-five sweets. But after four of them you're like
0: Oh, sure. <laughs> it's
1: so so really neat like it's very rich. Yeah, we are super rich, man. Oh, man. So yeah, she was all about the pecans, man. Mary, Mary had her had her pecan uh, pecan expertise commodified into what she called the pecan prince. And um, Dean and his his younger brother, now young teenagers, spent most of their time off from school helping out with the whole operation. You know, cooking the pecans, stirring the pecan, putting in them, putting in them sugars and bits. And Dean loved it, man. He would work there day and night. He'd skip school to be working, making making praline. Uh, and his mother gave him all the responsibility that he wanted. He was fucking loving it. It's just You know, it's the 50s. My dad left school at 14 and and went off and, and got a job to work. And he was working in the fucking steelworks or a factory or some kind of manufacturing thing. I mean, imagine if you were like, I can leave school at 15. And go and work in a fucking praline factory. i would be as big as a house. (laughs) You're fucking joking. Just like that the whole day. (laughs) So much praline. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, she gave him all the responsibility that he wanted. And at this time, people report and remember, obviously this is after he's like raped and murdered, like nearly 30 kids. Um, They say that, oh yeah, when he was working for his mother, he was a well-behaved young lad. He did okay in school. He was grand in school when he turned up. Uh, He he played trombone in the school band. Like, he was committed to things. He wasn't, like, a complete social pariah. He wasn't completely, like, fucked off into his own world, you know, like some Columbine massacre shit, like, you know, two lads and trench coats and being real dark and broody and all. He was, like, a normal dude doing normal stuff, working in his maz, like, you know, small kitchen business, making Mm. pralines. And, like, there didn't seem at that point to be any... Snapping, of you know, you get these fifteen, sixteen year old lads and they're like killing small animals and shit. First, mm. there didn't, there wasn't any of that with Dean Corll. People were like, "What's the fucking big deal?" You know. But you were saying, uh, um, he he kind
2: of he builds up to it, you know. It's it's a long process, growing kids. Maybe the, the trombone. Was even part of it. It's like to drown out the screams, I'll learn how to play the trombone. I'll be in the house. <laughs> I'll do that. I'll have a tape of a trombone. Then to drown out, the, you know what I mean? He's yeah. Thinking ten steps ahead. He's
1: like, se- setting it up so that he's like, if I'm doing my trombone practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe he was. Pr- maybe he was practicing the, the sexual act itself. His latent homosexuality was like, oh, I'd love to, I'd love to get an instrument where I'm, I'm like, oh, like yeah. this or something like doing that. He's just yeah. picturing like blowing air into the top of some lad's flute. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: like that. Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> I don't know why everyone is supporting him being like totally normally young fella. At this stage. 16. Totally normally mm. young fella. What the fuck happened that he just like snaps and goes off and starts doing this mad shit? Like what? So um, again, we keep going uh, with his history. So at some point along the line between playing the trombone in the school band and being a good boy working for his mammy. Dean's new dad at the time was a travelling salesman. So this Jack fella. Um, Jake, sorry, Jake West. So Jake West was a travelling salesman and he would sell these sweets on his route. So he'd have the bags of sweets that him and his man would be and he'd be selling them to people that he'd be doing business with all along the way. And... Um, the business started doing like really well. So the family packed up their stuff in 1958 and they moved to a more northern part of Houston and opened up a bigger operation and they opened up a whole store and they call it Pecan Prince and it was reasonably successful and they expanded the operation to the area known as Houston Heights in 1962. So it's gone from 55 as a cottage, do it in your kitchen kind of thing to 58, like mere three years later, they have their own store and then they moved to another bigger operation with a small factory uh, in Houston Heights in 1962. Now, Houston Heights was one of these places that was a little bit of a, uh, as Trump would say,
2: a shithole. Okay,
1: yeah. Um, it was a bunch of people who were, you know, low on the socioeconomic ladder. Um, They weren't really, they weren't sitting around playing Monopoly with their kids in the evening, basically, you know, reading mm. to their children at nighttime, And it was a, a bit of a kind of a, you know, a bit of a, a down and outish area of houston that was houston as far as i've heard at the time was a burgeoning metropolis it was about to blow up in success it was about to be like this new big awesome spot that it is now and there was so many people living there at the time but they just everybody hadn't got their footing yet in this post-war era now it was the early 50s um there was a boom time on but it hadn't hit houston yet so like the vietnam war and how business and the economy in, in america skyrocketed in that time it brought Houston with it but at this time in the early 60s um, the heights as they call it Mm. in Houston was like filled with you know broken homes and wayward kids and all the teens were fucking sitting on walls tearing the arches out of their jeans and just fucking smoking drugs and huffing paint and glue and just being entirely disaffected like this whole generation of kids post-war post-war boom kids, basically.
2: And what was Carl living in the same area as all these kids? Or yeah. Did it, was he living in a more uh, uh, affluent housing estate, though, than the the, the, the of...
1: They were, they were all moving to... They all moved to Houston Heights. And he, and he lived in the apartment over the shop that they had there. Okay. So they had a whole building that was selling the stuff. They had a factory that was making the stuff. Mm. And he lived in the apartment above the shop. Okay. So, like, he was in the area and... Kind of saw what was going on. And he came from different backgrounds. So maybe he was looking at that thing going like, "It's a lot of these vulnerable kids around here. And you know these lads, they end up looking for vulnerable kids. You ever watch that documentary, Three Girls? No. It's uh, a BBC three-part documentary about the uh, Rochester and Rotherham uh, grooming gangs. The Asian grooming gangs. Wow. Where these lads from like India and Pakistan had you know uh, uh emigrated to the UK and there was like taxi drivers and shop owners and butcher halal butchers and all these boys they're all coming together at these parties and then one lad would like befriend he'd run a shop and he'd befriend a young girl and the young girl would come in and he'd give her like bottles of coke and chocolate bars and shit like that and mm-hmm. ingratiate himself to her and then he'd be like okay well I want you to be my girlfriend she's only like 15 so mm-hmm. nobody looking after her Grooming
2: gangs, that's a new It was movie. a gang, it was a mm-hmm. gang,
1: yeah. So your man basically made this girl think that she was his girlfriend. And then all of a sudden he's like, you want to go to a party on Friday night? She's like, yeah. And then he show up with her and her mate. Mm. And then the two of them would get railed by like a dozen of your man's mates. And then the next week, the two of them would be like, so each of them had like a boyfriend. And then the two of them it's like bring two more girls to next week's party and the kind of snowballed out into this big whole. And loads of them went to court and, you know, not a lot of them were fucking tried See, and convicted yeah. or prosecuted or anything like that. So, yeah, really weird. Um But the, the, the point being that those lads were on the lookout for vulnerable people, vulnerable girls. No more than Dean was looking out for vulnerable boys who were on the cusp of, like, running away from home. <clears throat> um, from f- households where families were too poor to go looking for them or pay, you know, for a fucking uh, a reward for information or any of this shit. Like, the, th- <laughs> to be honest, the lads that were seen to be running away from home, so when Dean would catch a lad and kill him mm-hmm. and dispose of his body, the families that had lost that kid were very much on side with the fact that, like, Dean would make up the story and say... um. He's after running away to California. He ran away to New York. He just wanted to get the fuck out of here. And there was kids at that time in the in the late 50s and early 60s just, like, running away from home to start a new life in another place because, like, their conservative parents weren't off a with their lifestyle and they'd never see the motherfuckers again, like.
2: But that's a lot of kids. Like, you know, well, How many kids was there? 30 kids? 28. 28 kids. Yeah,
1: yeah that's, that's a lot. I mean... But there's kids going missing all the time. Think about how many kids are running away... Dodging the draft, you know, 18-year-old lads just, like, fucking disappearing to Canada. Uh, kids in, like, you know, Nebraska or Montana or, uh, you know, Oklahoma or Alabama just being, like, fuck this. I'm out. And just going to California and, and starting their life over there. Like, that was happening a lot at but this time.
2: With no word to the family at all. Like, no word to the family, man. It's it's just,
1: just, just disappear. Just disappear. It's fuck them. It seems strange, you know, I'm sure a lot of parents must have been
2: down the uh, police station saying, what's going on?
1: Yeah, and a lot of times they get a letter from from their kids from California, like, hey, I'm alive, I'm going to try and, you know, make a life over here, so goodbye. Hmm. And then, like, Sylla Black could reunite them after 40 years or whatever, like, surprise, surprise, <laughs> your old relative <laughs> hits you between the eyes, that's why you ran away in the first place, sure, I love. Like, that shit's happening all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. These motherfuckers are like, it's 1950s and I want to do, I want to smoke drugs and I don't want to go to the army. I don't want to work on my dad's, like, fucking, you know, lawnmower, garage repair business. Mm. I, I, I see something more for myself, so fuck this, I'm yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go to some other cool places. <clears> and <throat> California and New York seem to be the draw for a lot of them. Mm. So, like, it wasn't untoward to have a few dozen teenagers magically disappear without a trace in a place like Houston Heights which was as Donald says a shithole Mm. like it's well run out now it's now it's kind of maybe a bit refurbished but at the time Dean being in the apartment above the above the shop in Houston Heights kind of looking out the street going like there's a lot of fucking trash people around here Mm. so what happened between (laughs) you know Working in his mom's kitchen, making praline, making praline, to 1962
2: Houston. Maybe the kid, the <laughs> kid, the kids were looking down on him in the sweet shop, and he was getting rejected. He got rejected by a couple of them, and he was just yeah. like, "Fuck
1: those kids! I'm gonna fucking rape all of them." And that I mean, was it. That's yeah, but that's the thing. There's there's something that snaps in you. Hmm. Um, his mother made him a vice president of the company in 1963 after she divorced yet another. Man, Jake West is now kicked to the curb. Mm. And 63 seemed to be the most stressful year for Dean. And after being away for two years, uh, like we said at the the top of the show, in 1960 and 61, when he was uh, in his late teens, his mother kind of volunteered him to go back home to Indiana to to take care of his dying grandmother. Mm. So he was like discovering himself. He was discovering what it was like to be autonomous. And I'm wondering like, what happened? We're looking for the secret. We're looking for the. I got the key. I got the secret. Mm. What's the fucking? Wh- how, when did it? When did it change for him? And it seems that, and nobody can tell, because there's nobody left alive to, you know. Spoiler alert: Dean is dead at the end of this. Um, he was away for two years mining his dying granny. Mm. It's a nice thing to do. In the you know? Lovely thing to do. And he was forced to do it by his mother, kind of. Mm. But he came back with a bloodlust for like torturous, brutal rape and murder. So, like, what the fuck was the granny at? Was she giving him like psychological abuse? I tried to look it up, couldn't find nothing about it. But this seems to be the time that his whole outlook on humanity changed in that two years, in 1960 and 1961. Mm hmm. So something happened to him when he went home to Indiana. Now, whether it was that he fell in love with a lad back home where he was born and got his heart broke or maybe he got into a relationship with somebody, because he was still young at the time, he got in a relationship with an older man who sexually assaulted him in hmm. some way. Couldn't find out about it. He could hate the fact that he's gay and he's just like... Possibly. I
2: just don't want anyone witnesses. Did any. Dave and Wayne were there some of the times, but... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He seems to be in love with Wayne, I think. Because if you let Wayne go twice. As
1: well, yeah. Wayne Henley. Something happened in this time, 60, 61, 62. Something happened to trigger this whole uh, uh, kind of mentality and this murder lust. But in 1964, like his stepfather was, like his own father, he was drafted into the US Army and he was stationed at Fort Polk. But he hated army life and he applied for what was called a hardship discharge. uh, Which is what you call it when you have chlamydia and you're trying to go for a piss. Uh, He asked for a hardship discharge to go home and he asked the army, I have to go home and help with my family business. It's actually going down the tubes. And the army were like, yeah, uh, okay then. Like, there's no wars or anything coming up. Uh, And very soon after America got involved in the Vietnam War. But he got this honourable discharge in June 1965 after serving 10 months in the US Army. So, like... Possibly that training, that 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 basic training, got him dehumanized him enough to get him used to killing people. Maybe he was able to, like yeah. they were getting him ready, like full metal jacket in him, you know, like yeah. private pile, and they were they were making him like devalue the devalue life and and humanity. They were making him go. You know the way they have to kind of break you down hmm. to be allowed to kill somebody. Hmm. Like there was these surveys done and these experiments done, uh, especially for the Vietnam War, where they had. Uh, a bunch of soldiers in the field and they were all like okay well you gotta shoot to kill that person Mm. and it showed that all of them thought that somebody else would do the shooting so they all shot up in the air and missed on purpose Mm. and I think there was like 30 dudes in the experiment it's the same as um, in the firing squad there's 10 dudes in the firing squad Mm. And some can point at the body directly, and some can point away. But it gives that like plausible deniability for the people that did That's shoot. Yeah, 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 like nobody knows who actually did or didn't, and everybody, everybody apart from the guy who aimed it, who wanted to do it anyway, but everybody mm. else thinks like, yeah, I I was aiming at his head as well. Yeah, the thing. Like, mm. Most people, and it's scientifically proven, most people when even in war, mm. when tasked with shooting another human, will obvi- will uh, most often miss on purpose. Yeah. So like maybe Dean was just broken by that army train and then he came back and he was like alright fuck it nothing matters uh, life is pointless and meaningless uh, and I want to fuck a man um, but I actually hate that about myself so I can't let anybody that I fuck survive so like okay it's a raping and uh, murdering time <laughs> <laughs> it's fucked isn't it do you know like just how, how how does that how does that thought process get born you know
0: tell all about it those conspiracy guys
1: This episode is brought to you by our fantastic sponsor, Factor. Factor is a delicious, easy-to-prepare, ready-to-eat meal service and takes all the messing out of making nutritious and tasty meals at home. Forget about the shopping for those hard-to-find ingredients and weirdly specific vegetables. I'm looking at you, Wombok, Some weird Chinese cabbage. And instead, get these chef-crafted, great-tasting meals delivered right to your door with over 35 meals a week to choose from. Thanks to Factor for supporting the show. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash TCG50 and use the code TCG50 to get 50% off. I already have all my meals picked out for, <laughs> for what Factor is available outside the US, like the gorgonzola butter filet mignon with a brown butter Yukon mash and broccolini and mushrooms. Ugh. Excuse me, I just had to wipe myself. <laughs> but for you lucky Americans, you can get them now. These meals are ready to eat in just two minutes and are dietitian approved, so you can be sure you're getting quality and flavour, as well as your choice of more than 35 recipes. With no prep, no mess, and a flexible ordering plan, Factor is the perfect solution for sustaining yourself, because as well as full meals, there are snacks, breakfast foods, smoothies, and more for a full fridge of fancy Factor fare. So head to factormeals.com slash TCG50 and use code TCG50 to get 50% off. He was known as the Candyman And between 1970 and 1973 He's taught to kill 28 young men Between the ages of 13 and 20 And uh, most were abducted From this Houston Heights area And uh, like I said Shit hole. People were trying to get away To get to California Um, Mental right? Mental man I, You know It's
2: uh, I, I, I imagine something happened to him In the army or that made him just uh, desensitised to, to, to killing and just was you know, broken down himself, went all private boil on and came back and yeah. just said fuck this man I don't but give
1: a That's anymore. Kubrick's um, kind of scathing indictment of the military industrial complex in, in in seven Private Ryan where it's like if you can survive basic training they'll send you out to die to be killed by people who you don't like the whole point of Full Metal Jacket is like you don't know who's out to get you. Everybody's going to kill you. Mm. Um, and then, when given the opportunity to be the killer, you don't take it, and people die. If mm. you, you know, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of life lessons in Full Metal Jacket. But like the thing that I took away from it, when Joker gets the opportunity to 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 kill the sniper at the end, he he kind of he can't do it. Mm. So it's it's a, it's a thing that's either in you or not in you. Mm. Um, and if it's not in you, the army has the capabilities and the training and the the hist- historical success plan to be able to psychologically break your psyche and make it okay inside for you to take another person's life. Hmm. And maybe that's where Dean Cole found his yeah. bloodlust. But in 10 months, and he never saw a battle.
2: Well, 10 months of just getting, you know, abused. You're the, the the sergeant in Full Metal Jacket. Yeah you wouldn't want to be waking up to that every
1: morning would you <laughs> that. most of that was improvised you know yeah 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 really? he's a real he's a real ser- sergeant to go yeah, on, yeah they took him on as a, an actor then afterwards yeah, yeah, yeah. he was in the, the, Frighteners. The, Frighteners. the Frighteners yeah what a fucking <laughs> movie yeah. man Such that was a, a great movie <laughs> great movie yeah, yeah. sleeper fuck, yeah. yeah so I read I couldn't find the exact details but I did read that he engaged in his first consensual adult homosexual relationships in the army okay it, it, it was illegal in the
2: army. Maybe it was. Yeah, r- could have been rough stuff there. The army guys just fucking, you know, they're ashamed of it. During yeah, the yeah. Army, I mean, you know,
1: you are not supposed to be, and up until recently, mm. like they're still, they were still kind of like weird about it. You know, it's yeah, <laughs> you know, but well, like, um, can you imagine? I, you know, I, I am thinking of a, a situation like this maybe, because you are always trying to find a trigger for this shit. Yeah? So Dean is like in love with. His bunk made or some shit. Mm. And they're caught like sucking each other's dicks in the head, like giving head in the head or whatever. Mm. And the lads get them and tie them to the bed and do that fucking soap in the sock.
2: Oh yeah. And just
1: like, ab- knew he was gay and was just like, we know you're a fucking queer. Mm. We're just going to make 10 months here, hell for you. And he's like, can I please have a hardship discharge because I am actually not able for this life. Like mm. making up some excuse, like I need to get home, I need to go home. And I couldn't find any confirmation that I did read that he engaged in the first adult consensual sexual relationship while in the army, mm. but couldn't find any details. Um,
2: and why did he say he wanted a hardship,
1: a hardship discharge? What? 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 What does it's that like mean? It's like a get out like of the army free card. S- he S- comes <laughs> yeah. But he says like my family business is is failing at home. I need to get home and and save it. So they're like, all right, go on. And okay, yeah, yeah. So like you could get out of the draft if you were disabled, if you were going to college, or. If you were a you know, if uh, if you were gay. If you were
2: fucking Yeah, maybe. Why don't he just come out and say, Look, I'm I need to get the fuck out of here? Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. You know? Maybe I oh no, no, that, that's or pretty maybe. disrespectful to the gay community, but maybe he was just like pretended to be gay to get out of the army and then he was just like, Oh shit, no, it's it's unlocked something inside of me now and he resented himself for going that far. And yeah. then he started he started to Abuse these young lads mm. Because he was like Well I was forced to do this In the army And I'm taking back my power yeah. Like I was forced To take it up the arse yeah, And that, now I'm going to mm. like Inflict this pain On somebody else Because I was forced on me Something like that mm. But you want to keep on Taking
2: back the power And guys just scum Take the power <laughs> Waiting on a Friday take <laughs> back the power again
1: <laughs> Yeah I don't know I don't yeah. know it's, it's such a fucking mind fuck because mm. it's all this stuff that's because he he's obviously dead before the end of the story. Mm. We didn't get the John Wayne Gacy and you know <laughs> verbose, yeah, uh, super long, detailed, emotional yeah. confession it that Gacy been nice, gave us,
2: yeah, to see because it, yeah. it's 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 because he's so normal or on the Seemingly, surface, yeah. and, you
1: know. So we well, didn't have all the hallmarks, Andrew, of all of these fucking mental. Cunts that we've talked about before on this show, and like other people that were into true crime, if you're listening to this, you've probably heard this story told before. But like so many of these lads have in like insane upbringings mm. and they end up being killers. And you're like, sure, would you expect that else from that motherfucker? But Dean Coral seems to be like kind of okay. Mm. So it's that nature versus nurture argument that that really sits in his the development or the uh, analysis of his character. It's like what happened. And can we prevent that from happening to anybody else?
2: Yeah. Maybe his you know? mom was like, um, um, did his mom, his
1: mom wasn't really aware that it was gay, really, was he? Or was, he, was she aware? Maybe the, the, the mind, the, the, the psychology of his very strict father was enough to fuck him up so that he'd never come out. Yeah. That he was just, he felt, you know, maybe he was a bit kind of effeminate as a kid and,
2: well, it's that area. You Albert know to bet it out of them. You have to assume that they yeah. that the that, that they were home folk back in the day. Like, oh yeah, you know, they definitely were. already did I would
1: they? imagine he he was the Dow mm. Albert was because, um, very strict. His report is very strict. I mean, that that includes like batons and belts and mm. like when you talk about nineteen fifties strict, that's like. Mm. Do you know they lock you in the fucking cupboard under the stairs for three days out the window, man. yeah yeah <laughs> punch you full in the face as a as a fighter all child. It's like, <laughs> I love that well, who does that comedy bit it's like are you gonna I, I just I just destroy your whole face I think it's Louis CK Louis CK I punch you in the face it'll just destroy your face like why are you even yeah. do you know how how much stronger I am <laughs> yeah yeah Louis, yeah so like his dad was just like full force punching him in the head like and stuff mm. you know I mean is that enough to make a killer? Well, I don't know. I could have tapped his brain, you know, yeah, like yeah.
2: the the, the, the um, Hernandez fellow that uh, they kept getting hit
1: in the head to, to American yeah, footballer. Yeah. What have been mean? You could have just got or hit like in the cr- head too many times. Chris Benoit, like load of concussions and you're just snap and go mental. Crazy wouldn't it mm. Imagine
2: having to You know the, Sitting here at the You just going <laughs> I'm a <blind> kid man <laughs> yeah. Jesus uh,
1: but, but look at I, I, I tried to okay, Get now. into that mentality To figure it out So I can talk about it And tell these stories And stuff like that mm. And like it, it, It's not I can't I just can't Understand it mm. Like I can understand Being gay And being like Yeah like Because I'd probably be I'd probably be quite Generous mm. As a gay dude Generous lover <laughs> Yeah like I would suck balls, like because I know, you know, you you, balls you, are yummy. Yeah, give unto <laughs> others as you would expect to be given unto you. That was Jesus's rules or whatever. Mm. So like, if you want your balls sucked, you got to suck balls. It's a it's a it's a quid pro quo of balls. Yeah. Um, I'd be very generous and and if I, you know, I don't want to blow my own horn. Uh, <laughs> prolific, do you know? Mm. So I've thought about it in my head. Like, do do is it something that I want? Mm. Trying to explore my sexuality. Do I want to suck a dick? No. Mm. But if I did, I'd be awesome at it. But that's my own ego <laughs> But I've thought about, like, these lads doing the shit to kids. And I'm like, or, or even to young lads, like, 15, 16, he's not a kid, like, but mm. I mean, technically. But, like, what he did to those young lads, I'm like, there's no ever part of me that could understand, even in, even in a, like, a, a hypothetical sense, mm. why you would want to do that.
2: I thought about it. I did try and get into the the the, the mindset. So well. I just thought about if you think about beer. You know, yeah. Sometimes on a you know when it gets to six p.m. I'm thinking, you know, beer, beer, beer. Where if that was like uh, rape, 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 like you know, that, yeah, it'd be hard to sh- quite in that voice. But it's hard to quite. You want to get you want to get your beer. I want to yeah. go down and get six beers. You know what I mean. Yeah, I want to yeah. just sit there and have me few beers, and I'm gonna enjoy the night. But the that's his beer. Yeah. And them boys are his beers on
1: Friday, you know. That's And the reason I'm laboring over this at the show, like this is a, you know, for me, I think it's a very, very pertinent and important point around Dean Corll because as we see how it goes on, it ramps up, it gets, he gets like prolific. Mm. Like this motherfucker, you know, for the summer nineteen seventy three, 1973, uh, it's almost doing this like once a week. Yeah. You know, you go from, you go from like, uh, murders like the golden state killer he he, he you know he did whatever 60 something over like 25 years well, mm. or our, our zodiac killer like is over space like five or six years this lad was doing one a week for a whole summer it was the summer <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> how many how many <laughs> how many times can you say in your whole life anyone out there listening how many times can you say you had sex once a week for a whole summer in the summer holidays with like a different person every week like it'd be a hard That's a hard thing to no, do like. it, But for a young man It's I'm not saying about Killing and
2: raping And stuff like that yeah. But for a, a young man It is The dream you know Every yeah. week
1: You know every week different. Around Friday night Yeah Get your hole Yeah And I'm sure some lads Did do that But did you have to Clean up a body And a murder Afterwards as oh, well yeah, And yeah. like keep a whole lot Of witnesses And cohorts And like co-conspirators in your murder did you have to keep them all quiet and keep them all s- savvy as well and not only that but like okay if you're in your small town and you're having sex with like girls from your school uh, you know did they all go to the nightclub you know the Jerry McBride line is like every every small town has a nightclub where everybody goes to like yeah, yeah, the people who used to babysit you and the people who you used to babysit like that yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, age yeah. range so like I'm sure Houston Heights had places where you go where everybody just went mm. but like uh if you're fucking people from that town, it's easy enough, Noah, like, oh, yeah, you're one. She, she was with him last week or whatever. Like, people don't know. Yeah. But if you're, like, <laughs> if you're seen with those people or those people are going to your house for a party and then they fucking disappear forever in that small town, small mm. enough town, mm. people going to start asking questions. Can you imagine, like, what part, what part of Dublin are you from? What area? Uh, Lucan. So, from Lucan. So, imagine if you were, like, seen leaving a club with a moth on a Friday mm. and then no one ever seen her again and then a week later he did the same thing and then she went missing and he did that for 10 weeks in a row how quickly would it be before the guards be knocking on your door going what? come here Andrew every time you bring a girl home her family don't see her anymore
2: yeah but how, how,
1: what, was it not <laughs> did, did they see uh, Did was he seen every time well we'll go, we'll go through that at the end but what I'm saying is like it's hard enough to bring them home and just have like consensual sex with them and send them off mm. one a week Mm. But this lad was like doing crazy, like elongated, like three, four days worth of torture to these kids and then like getting rid of the body and leaving no evidence and no trace and no inspection, no investigation, no family coming looking for him. Like he was literally getting away with murder Mm. for three and a half or four years, prolifically. Mm. That's what I can't understand, that he was able to go from a nice life making pralines in his mother's kitchen to within... Seven years, being the most one of the most prolific serial killers in American history. Like yeah. it's a very quick and and far jump to make.
2: Like, w- w- would you be on the 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 lines of thinking that maybe the the cops were involved in some way? Well, or the, the, the that's the thing. Establishment. Somebody's
1: looking the other way, man. We we'll talk about it more towards the maybe, end. But. Maybe the candy man was bribing the cops with candy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, this Wink. Him, You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot of heroin in them fucking <laughs> yeah, pralines, yeah, there, boys. Yeah. You know, no wonder the thing went out of business. You yeah. know, it's probably. <laughs> yeah. You know, what I mean? it's like in Goodfellas. It's like, yeah, yeah we we bought a <laughs> lot of coats, uh, and we bought them, and we put, we ship them out the back, we sell them for half, and then when it all when all busts, just light a match. That's what they did, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking, he's screwing like like paraffin soaked t- tissue paper into mm. the roof of the of the <laughs> the pecan prince. Just going It's a fucking shame. <laughs> you know? That's the actual line. Yeah. yeah, I love that movie. That's my favorite yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this fucking Jew bride, she won't, she won't, <laughs> <laughs> she won't go home with me, it's fucking Jew bride. So, uh, workers at the Coral Candy Factory remember Dean as a fan of digging holes. Now this is another red flag that was completely ignored and you were like, what the fuck? He used to love digging holes, Andrew, and digging trenches. It was his pastime, it was his hobby.
2: Digging fucking holes. Digging holes. What, what
1: t- age was he? He was like in his, in his early 20s. Ah, come on. And they remember the the workers at the factory is like, oh, there's Eldino out digging the fucking digging trenches and he's like, yeah, it's good exercise and it helps to focus the mind and it's all, you know, fucking digging holes, man. He was doing the yoga kind of, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, doing the whole Fucking Meditively. Alan Hitchmarsh fitness programmer, whatever. Oh no, man, no. that's
2: that's a real red flag. Isn't, isn't a fucking, holy fucking
1: fuck. digging holes. And 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 he used to do it mostly at night because he was working in the daytime. He didn't have the time, but in the evenings he he instead of like going home and cracking open a beer and you know watching watching the game, uh, he'd just be at night time just night night digging, just digging night holes. And and that's
2: like just you know they, bizarre. Bizarre. Then it was left alone. Like. And th- 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 there's something going on with the police there because he's digging holes, he's giving out sweets, yeah. he's driving around with his car
1: with his two 12-year-old buddies it, it, beeping at the It, it seems wh- willfully ignorant, right? Come on, man. And well, he, he loves digging holes. He loves it. And then when the firm was failing and his mother was getting another divorce, so she's been married and divorced now three times, Dean's uh, release, his the way he used to relax, according to the workers, was just night digging. Just digging the night <laughs> It's like, ah... Oh, what are you digging a hole for Dino, oh, my man's having a real, real hard time. I mean, I'm telling so you, her third divorce. You're like, Dean, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I just fucking love digging, <laughs> getting a <laughs> new spade for Christmas. That's it. That's
2: after uh, concreting the trombone thing for me. The, t- the trombone was there. Yeah, it was just definitely there. It fucking was, yeah, no, it was just to drown out the rape noise. That's yeah. what I was
1: ever telling you. <laughs> What's Dean doing? Oh, he's he's practicing trombone, digging a hole, digging the hole. The trombone, you know? yeah, yeah one in oh, each hand yeah. Um, yeah so so he, he <laughs> when people kind of confronted him because he was digging so much he went Dean what are you fucking digging all the holes for all the time like you just digging him and fill them in he's like no what I'm actually doing is I'm burying all the gone off candy because I don't want to throw it in the bins here uh, because it'll it'll attract ants and everybody just went oh yeah no that's, that's a good idea bury it in the ground where ants don't go Hmm. Yeah. On the yeah. property. He was burying it in the property and, like, in the back I, yeah, of the factory. No, no, no.
2: Yeah, but they're, they're retarded. The people who who just went, like, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah.
1: Like, but, this is this is almost society's fault to let this, like, happen without saying anything. Like, how many weird cons do you know? I know a few. I know a few, dude, but I don't know.
2: You know, if I seen some sham uh, digging holes all the time, I'd be, like, you know, I'd be... I'd be and he's with you get two, a nickname in Dublin if you do that shit and he's with two guys two of his buddies yeah. they're, they're uh Dean there with his two mates they're, they're just his friends they his nephews no no
1: no if, if, that was in, if that was in Dublin he like he, and he went down the pub he's like alright Digger like he'd be <laughs> he, his name would be Digger like yeah. that that's such a fucking weird thing yeah fucking Digger Delaney alright Digger what's going on man yeah 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 you get in your hole what like <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. got me home. yeah, <laughs> nice one. Uh, it's it's fucking uh, because people in Ireland call it out passive aggressively. You know, mm. like if you ca- get caught wanking at any point in school, like mm. your nickname is whacker, yeah, uh, forever, yeah, that's it. Like yeah. you're a whacker, you know, whacker Murphy or whacker Nolan or whatever. Like that's your name, mm. and that will stay with you. And that's your nickname. And people, will go, oh, why did they call you whacker? Got caught wanking in school one time, <laughs> thirty three years ago, and yeah, now yeah. I have to bear the cross of that shame <laughs> for my entire adult life or whatever. Yeah. So Ireland to call that motherfucker out, and yet so much stuff went uncalled out in Irish society. Because we weren't allowed to to say anything, like this is the fucking fifties in Texas. Mm. Like you're talking like pretty fucking conservative. Mm. And Dean is just out digging holes, burying sweets. He said, "I'm burying sweets, gone off candy, to avoid the factory being infested by ants by throwing them into the bins." I'm but a... then after he after he after he dug up and buried as much candy, mm. Maria, as he could fit, he then cemented over that whole area that he had was that he had dug and then refilled in again.
2: So does, is, are they, is this the boat shed? No, this isn't the boat. No, no, sh- this
1: isn't the boat shed. This, this is like is,
2: at the back of the factory. So has that been dug up or what's the... Uh,
1: I don't think so. And I th- I would think if you were going to try and find the other bodies that he had buried, that you should definitely go and fucking dig that place up. Wherever he was digging. He was also digging in, in, in another waste area, like a, a kind of a dump place, mm. uh, adjacent to the factory, uh, up the road a small mm. bit. And... Uh, that ended up then being bought and redeveloped into a a three-story car park. Okay, so yes. Yeah, there was a so building built over it and all no... the cement and the foundations and all that stuff. So, like, surely they would have dug into the ground. And if there was bones or remains of bodies, they would have found it into the construction. Or, like, they have done in so many Irish, um, I guess, developments. Hmm. Uh, and especially, I remember in Wexford, like, when we were teenagers, there was one development stopped because they found, like, some old Viking shit, mm. and it was stopped for two or three years, and your man lost his back, mm. uh, because he fucking... They had to stop construction, and everybody needed to be paid, and it was all sorts of archaeologist shit. So any after that, for the whole redevelopment of the town, if any cunt was digging, and he finds, like, a fucking shield, or an old arrowhead, or like that, he'd be like, mm. put it back in the fucking <laughs> hole, <I'm> saying <laughs> <seeing> nothing. <laughs> so there's, like, thousands of years of, like, you know, Viking artifacts and history and shit that could be that could be that could have been like you know exhumed from the ground and, and we have a whole kind of uh, a better picture of, of Wexford me- medieval history instead we have like a you know a car park or whatever
2: <laughs> <We'll come> here, <laughs> heritage the, the car the car park across the road from the, the sweet factory
1: yeah that, uh, when was the car park uh, put up uh, in 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 this time, like um, in, around in around this time in the when, r- when he... early sixties.
2: Okay, <coughs> so
1: so they, like he was they, digging, they, digging, digging, and then it was. They could have been
2: playing the same game. I oh, fuck that We're not good Don't don't bother about find bones. Fucking yeah, exactly. put Bull,
1: the... bulldoze them over. Jimmy half a job.
2: But as, as well as that, if it's around that time, um, Dean's finding out there's a car park. Fucking gonna have to move the bodies. You know what I mean? Yeah, good like good fellas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I gotta go digging. Uh, I got a wing. <laughs> Henry. Hey, Henry. Got a leg. Got a wing. Hearts and lungs. <laughs> That's what happens, man. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think he just went like fingers crossed and won't get caught. No, we've had, we could have went over, moved the
2: bodies. And this, this the, the fact that it's cemented at the yeah. back. I thought you like digging it's holes, man. Over. What's the crack with the cementing? Yeah,
1: he's exactly. like, I got fed up with uh, digging uh, holes. Doing me drive out, will yeah. you man? You know I started what I mean? I started Pilates. Yeah, Stay. and
2: did, did, did he do
1: any more cementing? Was that the only cementing he did? That was the only cement he did. Yeah. And then they built a car park over the other place he liked yeah. digging. He's like, oh, I cemented that, I'm going to go dig over here. Like, the fact that nobody, none of the police, after he was found to have killed 28 young lads, none of the police or anybody went and dug up all that stuff to find those bodies. I think the police were lazy as fuck. Lazy as the, fuck, yeah. or willfully ignorant, like pr- pr- purposefully ignorant. I, t-
2: I think they could have been, when when the the first couple of parents came down to the, to the actual... Um, Police station They're like "Uh, Where's Johnny Please do your job Will you do your job cop And then the Cop is real indignant And he's like Why don't you do your job As a parent Well you know Step this way I want to ask you some questions You know what I mean They're actually Blaming the parents Make them blame Yeah
1: yeah yeah and I mean Defensiveness is the Defensiveness Is the first reaction To the guilty right Yeah yeah That's the way it goes They were fucking Guilty as sin Lazy as fuck So uh, the employees, remember, Dean had, <laughs> this to me is insane, that when he used to go over to the the waste area to dig his holes after the oak was being cemented, um, that Dean would bring over under his arm these big rolls of clear plastic. He said he wanted to be able to take away some of the stuff or he didn't want to get uh, uh, d- the dirty soil mixed in with like the clean dug soil. So he used to bring over these big rolls of clear plastic and he was digging for the whole of the sixty the whole start of the 60s, 62, 63, 64, 65, all through this time when he was working in the factory for his ma and being the vice president. He was going over to the dump with rolls of plastic under his arm and digging holes <laughs> and then coming back with like less plastic or whatever. And you're like If if you're insulating You know when you're doing like a Doing like an insulation If you're putting in like a pool Or some kind of water feature mm. or some kind of shit You have to insulate the whole thing with plastic And make mm. sure You know Maybe he was doing that Maybe he was making sure That there wasn't any Like seepage of um Stuff from the waste Area that was going to go down Into the water table Or whatever Or maybe Because Maybe The bodies that were found later on That had been buried In the boat shed and In three other locations Um they were all found to be wrapped in plastic. A very similar type of clear plastic that Dean was seen walking back and over to the dump with on regular occasions in broad daylight mm, well, by employees of his factory. It's like, oh, there goes Dean with the plastic and the shovel. Hello. And was there kids going missing in the, the at that time as well? Kids go missing the whole time. The kids you never know, stopped uh, going missing. That's scandalous that that, that hasn't been dug up. It's, uh, but well, but his I first didn't... official death... His mm. first official killing, according to uh, Elmer Wayne Henley when he was uh, uh, apprehended, was nineteen seventh September 1970. So, like, anything before that was not recognised as an official Dean Carl murder. Mm. But they think that 100% he could have been killing ads all through this whole time.
2: Yeah. I imagine there's, there's uh By the sounds of it, if he's digging all the time, man, come on, like, isn't yeah. it? Like, what's... So he's digging all the
1: time. Man. Digging he, the whole time, all through the '60s. All through he's, the '60s. He spent his whole '60s he's digging. digging all through the '60s. Yeah, man. I'm digging it, man. <laughs> That's what he was. He was literally digging oh, it. God yeah, hell, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking mad. Um. So, Carl had this strange relationship, and and this is also red flags, man. Strange relationship with the teens of Houston Heights. Like, again, we're back to the man, or we're back to like random dudes talking to your kids, and you're like. Oh, you bleeding pedophile! Get away from me, get away from me, kids! You, you pedo! It's like, um, I was talking to your child because it was crying next to a stand in Claire's accessories, because you had gone into the fucking jacks and left your child in the middle of the shopping center, and the child didn't know where you were. And I was just going like, "Hey, you okay? Everything okay? Get oh, you pedo!" It's like, <laughs> okay. You're conditioning your child Not to trust any strangers ever I'm sure that's not going to Backfire on you at some point Do you know what I mean mm. like, Have you ever have you ever been Like trying to help a kid And Not like, Get away more Get away from him you pedo
2: Not that I can remember But uh, You've got You've got the, the pedo Going on a little yeah, bit Yeah but bro. you see
1: It's the glasses beard combo yeah, I think Yeah yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's the It's the looking like That they've never had Consensual sex before Kind of look It's like that That, that lad looks like He doesn't fuck a lot of people Get away, my child. Do you know have, what I mean? Have, have that, that's actually happened to you. So? Oh, like a dozen times. Really? Yeah. yeah. because like you know, you be in, you, be, uh, you work in retail. Mm, okay, of course. Dude, yeah. I used to work in a child shoe shop. Okay. Used to, like a shoe shop where children would come in for their for their fittings and whatever to get school shoes for school. Mm. And of course, like I'm a fucking Arrested Development. Do you know, I'm I'm a bit of a like a, I am admittedly a bit of a weirdo, but I also like having the crack. So like. You be mm. serving the the, the family mm. and the kid and I'd be like, "Come here, do you want do you want shoes that have lights in the heels?" And the kid mm. and the man's like, "No lights." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, but these are fucking LA gear. They're savage. Mm. Check them out." I like sell upsell them because like the more that I'd sell, the more yeah. money I get or whatever. Mm. And then, you know, you're putting on the shoe and the kid puts out his foot and you're like, oh, oh, you missed. Oh, oh, you missed. And that's great. Crack the kid is Mm. like the brilliant retail experience. This is fantastic. It's not scary. You're not, you're not a weirdo. Like you're not being aggressive. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm being like forced into something I don't want. I'm like, which one would you like? Give the child the choice and address the child at all times. Mm. And then the parents would be like, you're a bit of a weirdo. And I'm like, Mm. I'm a bit of a weirdo because I'm not talking to you. Mm. And, and ignoring the child as some kind of, like, object or some kind of, like, prop that you brought in that you have to dress like some kind of automaton. Mm. I'm addressing the child as a person because he's fucking five or six years of age. Yeah. He already has a personality and opinions. And mm. when talked to, will talk back. Mm-hmm. Like, it's one of the most important developmental things you can do for a young baby is not to go like... It's to talk with normal speech. And they end up speaking much earlier. Yeah Developmentally Because they understand language And know the stuff means stuff Like kids are understanding Shit all the time But like your own The the parents would just be like Just shut up And get the shoes Uh, Mm -hmm. And I'm like Okay Let's make this a real Fucking Austere Fucking transaction then So Mm -hmm. your child is not going to be Wearing the shoes And going to school And being like Oh I remember the horrible day When I got my school shoes Yuck
2: Yeah some people just have uh, bleak childhoods. The par you know, the parents have the kids, and they just want to sit them in front of the TV, watch that, and oh, when Childless. when are you five? When can I throw you to school? Yeah. Oh shit, you know, uh, driving to school in the morning, screaming at them, you know, get out! I'll See, you half three fucking
1: just yeah. hating their own lifestyle as well, you know, as well, you know, and 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 that shit rolls downhill because yeah, then yeah. the child will end up like emotionally stunted or whatever because they're not really getting the proper interaction with adults that they should, and every time they try to interact with another adult and they get a reciprocal fucking conversation or some kind of, Mm. even just like a minor retail level relationship or whatever, the mother is so paranoid. She's like, stop looking at my child, you're pedo. So Mm. your child doesn't get any fucking like social interaction or social practice interacting with other humans Mm. and then you expect that to be like a fully rounded adult when they grow up that they're able to express their emotions or be able to interact with strangers without getting fucking anxiety attacks Mm. like of course that's not gonna you don't just fucking pick that shit up Mm. you're training that child to be afraid of everybody who's not their family and then when they turn to their family you're the one that's like no no nice things joyless fucking shit joyless yeah your family is Devoid of joy, and everybody else wants to fuck you against your will. Mm. Like that's some fucking world to be living in.
2: It's just horrendous. It's, it's um I remember the uh, there a girl I used to call her kid a loser. You know. Oh man, that's the worst I was ever. Like, what the fuck is going on here? Stop stuff down, don't you? You know. She knows I'm only messing.
1: Yeah, but they don't <laughs> you know though. What? But they don't know they're She's only messing. Conform, because they're a child, yeah. and everything that they have experienced is true. Mm. A brand new lens. Totally. Yeah. So if you tell a child like this is the way things are, mm. there's no, there's nobody under six who's a cynic. Mm. There's nobody under six who's going to question like an absolute truth. If you come and say this is the way things are, mm. they'll be like, why? They won't be like, no, it's not. They'll be like, why? Because this. But why? Because this. Why though? Because this. I guess it was a fucking why child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time. (coughs) (coughs) I believe that, Fucking massive. Like, annoying. So annoying. Mm. So, so annoying. But, like, I wanted to know why. Because if there wasn't a good reason why I wasn't going to do that shit. Mm. Like, why do you have to do it that way? Oh, all right, fair enough. Or, mm, no, I'm not going to do it then. Mega Drive. Like, Mm. that was the fucking way I was built to question things from a very young age. But, like... Sometimes you just have to say this is the way things are. But if you tell a child like you go you're gonna you're gonna stay at home with your mammy until four and then for no reason we're just gonna put you in a room with a whole lot of other people and you're gonna learn how to spell and read and write and mm. read books and you, you don't get to stay at home anymore. Like that's a massive trauma. Mm. Send kids to school. So they're not at home, they're like fucking brilliant, had the best life ever in that Huh? Every day. Like mm. And nobody get nobody to, like if you don't tell explain to your child why that is, like you're allowing a a a teacher to be the fucking like moral compass, the educator, the the you know the the main adult interaction with your child is going to teach them how the fucking world works because you have to go and work in a job to be afford to afford to have the house that you're all going to live in, right? Mm. So what happens if that teacher is a fucking cynical, dry cunt? Yeah, yeah. who doesn't teach them about, like, life in the way that you would. Like, you're going to have to fucking talk to them or they're going to have to meet other people. There's other adults apart from their teachers that they need to interact with. You know, it takes a village and all that stuff. Mm. But what's happened is everyone's become so afraid of everybody else and society is pumping out this shit where, like, anybody who's an adult who wants to interact with a child that's not their blood relative is automatically some kind of weird pedo. Like, I mean, it's better than having them f- having randomers fuck your kids mm. or getting them abducted and shit like that. But still in that world, we still get our John JonBenet Ramseys and we still get our Madeleine McCanns and we still get our fucking, you know, uh, abductions and elite pedophile rings and all these kind of fucking things going on. Yeah. So it's not like having that shitty attitude about every human being a... Pot- every adult who tries to interact with your kids as being a potential pedophile. Like, that mindset is... Obviously, still not working. So why not like make it? Why not fucking scrap the idea? Because mm. the kids are still getting taken, <laughs> whether the man is going to come and get you or not.
2: <clears throat> yeah, certainly. Yeah, um, I think with the uh, the that's the, the screaming Peter watching in the shop and stuff like that. It's 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 bad. It's a bad example for the child. First of all, you know, and. I don't know. It's probably something that's been to, brought into into you know. And it's been they see it online and they are just kind of totally like pedo pedos in their brain brain the whole time. And everyone's a, everyone's a pedo. Every everyone's a you know whatever whatever the hot topic is at the moment. though, did you see um, yeah whatever you Epstein know. and whatever. Like. Yeah yeah yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, I I don't know man. It's very it's it's such a weird concept that people would allow their children to go to certain places and not have any reserve about how they interact or react with people and then in other places then they're absolutely like steadfast against them interacting with other adults Mm. do you know? Yeah like I remember being a kid and like going up to like security guards or going up to people who weren't serving anyone in the shop and going can you tell me about this or hey what's this about or how does this work Mm. And the people are nearly afraid to be talking to you. Like, totally, man. I,
2: I, I've, I've been on the other end, and a kid asking me stuff like that, and it's terrifying. I want to get it. I want to get the, the transaction done pretty quickly. It's over there. See you later. No names.
1: Bye. You know. It's, it's kind of breaking you know, the fabric of society. Do I feel yeah. that attitude? Do you feel that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah. there should be an ability for elders or for people in the know to be able to interact with kids.
2: Yeah, exactly. Elders is people. Yeah, I know, people are thinking like, uh, yeah, we've done this before and look what happened, everybody got raped, you know,
1: so. Uh, they're still getting raped anyway, mm. so it's a fucking bad idea, but I think, I mean, picture the scenario, you're in like a shopping centre, you're in like Liffey Valley, or some, some mall somewhere, right, and there's a child on their own, and they're crying, and then somebody comes along and just like takes them by the hand and starts leading them off, And the child is, like, pulling against him and going, no, no, no! And pulling and and trying to get away from him. Yeah. Like, in my mind, I'm like, red flags. Mm. Excuse me, sir, is this your child? Now, you could get a rap in the jaw. Mm. You could get, fuck off you. Mm. You know, a real aggressive reaction. Mm. But also, you could be stopping a child who has temporarily lost her parents. And this pedo is taking advantage of a vulnerable child in this situation, an opportunistic situation where he's like, okay, yoink, I, I got a free kid. Mm. You snooze, you lose. Yeah, but were you but afraid going, to do But you'd be afraid to do that because mm. you're possibly confronting a parent who's like, what? What are you talking about? I'm not a pedo. on I'm his fucking dad or whatever. Mm. And it's again, that thing of like me talking to a kid in a shop and, and the man's like, don't, don't know how to how you pedo?" Like, That transaction of like conversation Mm. versus like a kid being pulled away, dragging and screaming, like which is more, which is more alarming? So like people wouldn't, and the the maddest thing, they're like a a guy in the shop going like, "Hey, what's the crack? What we in school today? Yeah, what you learn in school? Just like you're not going to ask the child what it thinks about the fucking political situation in Syria." Like, what you learn in school today? Water is wet, the sky is blue, whatever the mm. fuck. Give him an opportunity to talk. Like, yeah, yeah. What yeah. you learn in school today? Leave her alone, you, you pedo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You don't obviously don't want your child to have autonomy over the knowledge that they're learning, right? Sound. But the people they wouldn't confront the man pulling the screaming child through a, a, a shopping centre because they'd be afraid that he'd turn on them and go, like, what the fuck do you mean I'm, I'm his dad and he's acting like a little cunt and I'm trying to fucking bring him out, put him in the car, tie him into his chair so he shut the fuck up. Hmm. Like you'd be, you to be more, you're more likely to be chastised for talking nicely and gently than to be taking away a child by force. I don't know anybody hmm. who'd go up and confront somebody with a child that's trying to struggle to get away from somebody, which is in my mind, like the first thing. Obviously like they don't want to be there or whatever, but it could mm. just be a child just act having a tantrum and you don't want to like I don't know question somebody else's parental authority or be like, Well you're not a very good parent if you can't keep your child still. Mm. You must have abducted that child. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's like a broken a broken uh uh measure of like what a child in danger feels or looks like. Mm. And it's like this upside down, like, fucked up Nambla set of social rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't confront somebody who's like, hey, come here, uh, is that your daddy? No. Who is he? Oh, this is uh, Uncle John. But he's not really my uncle. He's just like a friend of my ma's that I know from the flats. And he said he was going to pick me up from school today that my mum and daddy were really busy. And now we're going up to his house and we're going to have, like, uh, sweeties for dinner. I'm like, okay. Uncle John, can you hang on there one second? Yeah, guards, come here. There's a lad. You know what I mean? Mm. But nobody talks to the child because they're afraid of getting, mm. I don't know, spanked, put socially, socially embarrassed. Embarrassed, yeah. Or the guy, I'm always
2: on playing business. And they're like, oh, sorry, but, but you don't want to feel
1: that. But how mental is that? Like mm. that's
2: that's totally broken, right? You you don't want to feel like that. Whereas in the shoe shop, the the girl, it was like, I you paid? she's making you feel like that." Yeah. As well, She's, so you're still going to make, the feeling is still the same kind of thing, you know? you know. But I mean. it's
1: stopping adults interfering in the lives of children if they're not directly related to them. <clears throat> and I understand that. I understand that that's like an imperative. Mm. But at the same time, that same social contract, that same social uh, uh, construction is what will make somebody not confront the abductor of your child, potentially. Mm. Like you going, stop talking to my child, you pedo. Mm. That could be the person who would stop somebody abducting your child in yeah. another situation, but feels so socially constricted so she, she's that they're tra- not going to say anything.
2: She thinks she's saving her child from a pedo, whereas she's actually making her child pedo-fucking-friendly over here. Like, yeah. You
1: know? yeah, creating a social construct that makes abducting a child easier because people don't want to be susceptible to criticism so no one's dealing with children no adults are dealing with children that are not direct blood relatives at all it's almost dehumanising other people's kids so that no one's taking care of anybody and that's why you still have fucking 800,000 kids a year in America going missing 800,000 800, 800, kids a year go missing in America because people don't say, hey, is that actually your child? Because it's fucking screaming and, and you have to drag it across the floor. Shut up, you pedo! Oh, all right then, all right then. So do you reckon
2: that's created by the, the, by the, the pedo or NAMLA or whatever have said, right, okay, this is the this is the way to make people feel and this is the way to, you know. Why do you
1: think Madeleine McCann is on the front of the paper twice a year for like a week? Mm. Every year since 2012. Yeah. No, since 2007. is she gone in years? 2007, yeah. But every every year there's a, a picture of what she looks like. Some bullshit a, comes up around yeah. the anniversary every year and it's on mm-hmm. the front of the paper for two mm-hmm. weeks because they want everyone to remember your children are in danger at all times, motherfucker. Be f- afraid. Yeah, like yeah. Like some yeah. shit's going down and Dean Corle is like The epitome of that. He's the sweetie man. He's the fucking candy man driving around in a white van giving your kids sweets. Do you want to get in the van and give you a bag of sweets? Like that's Mm. what we were told when we were young. Mm. Don't fucking get in the van with the man who offers you sweets.
2: So do you reckon the pedos are putting. uh, Propaganda. Madeline McCann is the face to. You know, the the irony or whatever that they're fucking.
1: The, the, The face of abduction. The, is, the poster child for is helping us get the get the kids like to break society down so that they won't yeah. confront people. I, I that's what I do believe. Yeah, I wow, think that, that's a mental talk. Really, I mean, is it plausible or am I talking shit?
2: It's certainly plausible. Anything like you know, it's you know, you, you, you
1: wouldn't believe anything or wouldn't not believe anything. Really, you know. But uh, what I'm saying I is, is, is that is like, that the way society is actually structured. Is that just my own personal perspective? Like that's the experiences I've had and how I feel about it. Like I don't know if anybody out there would conf- like you, uh, we're kind of conditioned not to confront uh, domestic domestic situations. If somebody is like, I mean, I've been in situations where I've seen a woman like punching the head off a fella, and because she's a woman and he's a fella, he can't hit her back. And I've often spoke up and said, "Here, stop fucking hitting him, will you? You cunt!" Hmm. And then he's just looking at me going, "Dude, stop, don't, please." Hmm. And you're not, you're not, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I've, I, I'm in the taxi, you know, and I've, I've, I've yeah. seen it. Seen a lot of, not loads. I've seen it a couple of times of actually, well, fists and stuff. And girls are girls are vicious, man. But the guy has to, he has to, you know, because if he hits her
1: once, he's yeah. he's the one that's going down for it. Yeah. But that's the thing, like, so, like, m- m- male domestic abuse. Uh, and as well, then, there's a whole lot of shame around male domestic abuse. So imagine you came out and said, oh, my girlfriend has beating the shit out of me. And it's like, would you not just hit her with a fucking frying pan or a hammer or something? <laughs> like Hit her a dig in the neck. But
2: just grab her and say, let's stop. Uh, leave her. it out, with you, chicken? Yeah.
1: Leave it out, chicken, or I'll handcuff you to the bleeding yeah. right part upstairs. It's Louis C.K. with the child. It's like, if I hit, if I actually hit you, i destroy your whole skull. Mm. But, like they're they're ashamed to say it, they're emasculated. Mm. Um, if they say it, then they're like a pussy, they're not a real man if they're reported or whatever. Mm. And then the woman is emboldened then by society and by, you know, the, I don't want to say girl power because like you don't want to drag feminism into it, but this mm. whole thing of like, you know, believe all women and women are right and whatever she's, like if she says, She gets confronted. She's like, yeah, well, he was baiting me and there's nothing he could say about it. He's coming Mm. out looking like fucking Rihanna Mm. going three rounds with fucking Chris Brown. Mm. And everyone's all like, well, you're a man, you shouldn't be able to defend yourself or just get out of that situation and it ends up in a victim blaming type thing. And it happens for women too, don't get me wrong, Mm. in domestic situations. But like out in public, Mm. I was in a hotel lobby coming out of a gig one night and I saw one and and the man was about six foot four and she was fucking baiting the face off him. (laughs) And all it would have took like, was like, if he just give her a hug and a squeeze, mm. she'd be fucking out like a light. Yeah. He was massive. Just, you and know. he was taking raps to the head, man. And I just went, here you, you stupid cunt. Give that up. She's roaring at him and boxing him. I was like, mm. give that up, you fucking cunt. Sit down. She was like, there's nothing to do with you, fucker. And I'm like, you're annoying me, looking at you. Sit the fuck, the fuck off. Mm. He was like, man, come on, please stop. And I was like, man, fucking put your fucking hands up. Just put your hands up over your fucking head. Don't let her hit you in the head. Like he's like, I don't understand, man. Come on, they know it's nothing to do with you. And I sat, I picked the chair, and I sat in the lobby, and I sque- it's like, like squeezed the chair out over tile floor, and I put the chair, and I sat, and I I put my ha- head on my fist like that, and I just I sat there looking at the two of them doing it for fifteen minutes, and every time he, he she hit him, I went like that. shameful. Oh my god. Like in a that.
2: hotel What were you doing In a doing? hotel lobby About sitting? 2 o'clock
1: in the morning Waiting on a taxi Out the country oh, For, yeah, yeah, for yeah. a ride back into town wow. After a gig mm. And I sat there And I was like Oh that's terrible She was like Shut up you And I was like You shouldn't be doing that mm. Terrible carry on Like this And everyone was like Gordon stop it Stop it <laughs> Stop it I always had a few drinks Like yeah, yeah, yeah. "Like, Oh stop it You're fucking embarrassing everybody I'm embarrassing everybody She's the one that's fucking kick bait the shit out of her boyfriend In mm. front of everybody And no one is saying Nothing about it like yeah. what the fuck If it was a child she was baiting Would you say anything about it mm. no, Probably not Did you know her boyfriend or something No Didn't know any of them I just thought like, Now personally myself I just let it go I'd be like, I was like, with, like Call the fucking guards I was like mm. I'm going to call the guards on this bitch And your mm. mom was like Please don't call the guards mm. And I was like She needs a fucking night in the cells she, uh, Digging ahead to stop her In her tracks like that mm. And If someone hit hits you like that The only retaliation mm. You get a fucking dig in the neck
2: yeah, totally. Yeah, I I I chickened the car one night. She was in the back and the guy was in the front and she had no seatbelt on. She was riding them up already. Mm-hmm. She took her seatbelt up and was in the middle, you know, between the between the two headrests and just chanting to me, coming on to me, the rest right just complete Why not anything like. he said, she was just like, Shut up you dope you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah, bleeding stop, you know. Anyway, I had to jam on the brakes at one point and she came through the middle of the bleeding car and he started laughing and she just... He, he actually got out of the car. I had to pull out of the car. He got out of the car and fucking legged it. And, and i she started giving She digs. stayed in the car. She she actually... She climbed through the middle of the car like it was the fucking 1980s, you know, just through the... <laughs> and just sat there. It's was just driving. I and I was like, fucking, I better drive, you know? Yeah, See, I, I might be chick, next. You know what I mean? She was yeah. a crazy bitch, man. But... Um, Blood and fucking and your mom was a big dude as well. When your yeah. Senate star, I was like, "That's kind of you know similar bills." Like the chick was probably half her size and
1: just bang, bang, just kept punching him. You know, yeah, and there's nothing you can and do about it. Blood, there's nothing you can do about it. No, because I, I like you'd be the shock, one, you'd be the one getting arrested.
2: I couldn't believe it was happening. I was like, "This
1: is what." But 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 the whole point of that is not that you know. aren't we we great you know we're going to stop domestic violence (laughs) It's, it's, it's a thing where like I made a decision to go like I'm not going to abide by this very weird social contract where you're not supposed to get involved in domestic disputes be it with kids or with adults or whoever like mind your own business You've, you, you, you've made an agreement with yourself that... Yeah. You, you I'm like, if I see something that's fucking not right, I'm going to say, hey, and, and risk the embarrassment or risk somebody going, mind your own business. I'm like, all right then, yeah, no bother. But, like, it could, all it could take for a child crying in a, in a shopping centre and some fucking, some lad trying to take, like, roll the dice and go, like, I wonder will anyone know this if I just grab him by the hand and walk off like he's mine. Then mm. I have a kid and it's in the car and the cunt is never seen again. Mm. All it might take is, hey... Where's your yeah. mommy? Hey, where's your mommy? Just saying that, and your mommy, oh, and and diverted, and then the child won't end up in a fucking, Dungeon. you? know, a, a a a chicken run out the back of a fucking farm in Monaghan somewhere or some <laughs> shit like that, like some fucking joke, Elizabeth Fritzel, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But that's an agreement I made well, myself. But like, yeah, but like I I don't know why it's a it's allowed, like that domestic violence. Like it's you see ads on the telly for like male domestic violence. Mm. And it was a real disturbing one where you're, it was a one getting off an elevator, and she's walking down the hallway, mm. and then you see the man at the at the door, and you hear the shouting, and your one your one is walking through the hallway, and she looks in, and the man is there, and he's like been crying, and he looks like he's had to get a few digs, and in the background, in blurred kind of background, your one is like throwing all the fucking shit all around the hotel room, and he's like, <laughs> and he kind of whispers, "Help me," and as he's closing the door, and she's like, "Close that, close that fucking door, you, you useless prick." And he's closing the door and he says to your one, wa- and then your one wa- is clutching her stuff and walks on off the hall and says nothing. And then it's like male domestic violence. It's just as important to fucking mm-hmm. report that shit, like, or whatever. Maybe we you, we should try
2: and catch it before it happens. Like, you know, you, you, that guy's probably seen the red flags on the way down. You know, the girl, you know, little things he's let go because yeah. he's, no one's touched it in so long. You know, he's just like, oh, yeah, fuck, yeah. I'll take you, you know, <laughs> yeah, whatever. And that's what happens. And then suddenly you're sitting there and she's just bouncing vodka bottles off your head every night, you know. It's it's a uh, it's a fact. You have to fucking nip it in the bud at the start. If you see the red flag at the start, get the fuck out there and I'll not be going on an advert. Fucking two years later, but it's easy to say that
1: too as well. You yeah. know, sometimes you're in it. You, you know, you might yeah. have a child together or something like that, mm. and you're you're maybe financially tied together to mm. a situation, but people don't call it out. Mm. Just the, just the same. And this is all stuff from uh, like our point of view. Just the same as they don't call it when like people, you know, when a company people in power are fucking sexually assaulting their female employees. Nobody says anything about them. Nobody says anything when fucking, uh, uh, you know, people who you people who you work with or people who are in in positions of power in society are fucking in sexual situations with you. Or, you know, you go home with a fella and you say no, and then he doesn't take no for an answer, and then you just have to just chalk it down and go, well, I won't do that again. Mm. Where technically you've been sexually assaulted, but like, there's not really a whole lot you can do. And it was like, you, you're not going to fucking call the guards because you know it won't go to court and blah, blah, blah. Like, all of those situations are obviously involved in this conversation mm. that people don't call shit out. Mm. Like, it all should be called out. But when you're talking about Dean Corll, who a sweetie man in a white van giving out sweets, digging at nighttime. Mm. <laughs> do you know, going around with plastic and no one taught to go like, come here. What's the fucking story? It's fucking It doesn't make
2: any sense. Come here, I have watched a few documentaries on I, I can't believe that the digging holes, his hobby was digging holes didn't wasn't one of the first fucking things on yeah. like, You know what I mean? I watched four fucking documentaries. Digger and Dean and I, I mentioned the digging holes. Yeah. At Boathouse. Yeah, they were digging holes in the boathouse, but the the fact that he was doing it behind the candy factory in the 60s, man, is fucking mental. And there's all of his, all of his like, good
1: night, Dean. Good night, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: tell them
0: all about it, those conspiracy guys.
1: So, yeah, enough of that. Let's move on. Let's move on to the relationship that Dean Coral had with his two cohorts. Uh, these two young lads were, I guess, accomplices in the murders. They were lads who were at it with him, or at least facil- facilitating him, uh, killing all these people. Uh, and they were David Brooks and Elmer Wayne Hendy. And Andrew, you're going to bring us through how he met yeah. David Brooks.
2: Um, D- Dean met David Brooks, He uh, a 12-year-old boy, whom he lured into a friendship with candy from his own store. Dean, a 28-year-old 20, man, took this lad on trips to the beaches of, of South Texas, and gave him a bankroll, as well as offering him money to <coughs> let Carl suck his cock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: He's like, I'll give you 20 euro if you let me suck your dick. I'm like, that is, that's that's a great day on, yeah Just That's a great out, afternoon, yeah. man. Stick a wig on. and, yeah. and <laughs> Get a bag of chips and get your mickey sucked on the beach.
2: <laughs> Thanks, if Dean. A few quid in the bank after yeah. as well, yeah. But uh, Brooks say uh, Dean as a kind of father figure. Support in his independence by then to have a bankroll, not go to school and own errands from him like an employee. This relationship would change drastically when Brooks would be tasked with helping out in the murder process. But this was definitely a grooming and trust
1: exercise that resulted in complete compliance. He, he totally had control over him. Yeah. Like, did, you read, did you read those reports that Brooks came out with? Like, he, he seemed like a bit of a soft chap uh, w- w- when he was arrested. Mm. And he was nearly, we'll talk about it after, but he was nearly out of the game. He was nearly like, man, I was free, man, Mm. you know. Um, It seemed like from there, from Henley and Brooks's, uh, I guess, descriptions of the relationship with Dean Coral, that he had total control over them. Mm.
2: Yeah, total, yeah, of course, yeah. Brooks, he met as a 12-year-old kid.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know is he still for... believed in Santi probably like you know
2: and... just out of that phase really you know yeah. um, he's gonna have control over him yeah you know his parents didn't give him any kind of uh,
1: love probably or yeah think... Brooks was kind of like one of these wayward kids from mm. the, the Houston Heights who was just like kicking his heels and mm. fucking tearing the arse out of his jeans sitting on walls but mm. nothing to do, um,
2: Look, looking for some sort of influence of of an adult figure, maybe, and and he yeah. got someone who, who who showed him love, you
1: know, in a way.
2: Yeah, well, love for the, probably the first couple of years. It was two years before he uh, assaulted yeah, him. Yeah, David kind of seen him banging the two
1: kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like uh, he <coughs> was he was sexually assaulting them, <clears throat> but it took a few months, mm. and then as Brooks walked in on. Doing that thing We talked about in a sec Mm. Yeah like it was Two full years before You saw the gravity Of the situation Yeah Like that's enough of a time For a 12 year old To make a bond Like with a 28 year old man Like a big brother Mm. Slash father type figure He's obviously from Like a broken home Some shitty shit going on In Mm. David Brooks's house Giving them weed And drink Like come on Huffing paint and glue And Yeah Like yeah It'd be pretty easy to Mm, You think you're living the dream Mm. Give us that joint there And it would be pretty, like, I mean, I'm not saying I, I wouldn't condone it in any way or whatever, but, mm. like, it probably would be quite easy to uh, convince a 12-year-old to do whatever after a little while. You get to know them, and, mm. like, I guess that's why pedos do what they do with, like, to, with, with kids, because they're lads who are in full control. They want mm. to have control. It's much harder to do that with an adult, but if you're conditioning a child to mm. to do that, you don't, there's not a lot of, you I mean, there's not a lot of pushing that you need to do to get a child to do something, yeah, and a lot of training. I mean, yeah, because they'll just accept what whatever you are saying. Um, there are some questions online about Brooks and and Henley and their willingness to cooperate. That they maybe had some kind of streak of evil inside of them.
2: Hmm. I would say Henley definitely did. Anyway, you know, yeah. I I mean Brooks. Um, I think uh, my opinion is he was just led along. Yeah, he was given a car and you know to turn a blind eye i i you know bringing his friends and stuff it's nasty stuff but it is, yeah yeah you, you, you have to try and get into the mind of this fella he's, he, he probably didn't develop even as a human you know he's probably nearly 12 year old
1: yeah you know
2: in, inside for the
1: like a 12 year old is still a child to be fair yeah yeah. Like 12 year olds now and i think also we're talking about like the propaganda machine behind the pedophile elite mm. they're they're creating a, a a whole society where people are not intervening in other people's children's business mm. um they're also trying to fast track the maturity aspect of a child's you know adolescence that like tweens are now kind of sex doing sexy dances on TikTok and putting mm. on makeup when you're 11 and it's kind of like the bar for what people would see as grown, what people would see as mature enough to handle stuff, is going down and down and down and down. Like, mm. when we were young, like, I remember watching RoboCop. That's an 18s movie, and it absolutely should be. Mm. But I watched it, as it was like, Ugh, I was traumatized, but mm. it was awesome. Like, you know, when your man is, like, covered in acid, he's like, and he's <coughs> smashed by the van or whatever. Mm. But, like, there's stuff now, like, in games and in TV shows. Like, you can watch... Did you ever? Yeah, you, you have a daughter. Like, did you watch when she was younger? Did you watch any of that Disney Channel shit with her? Like, did you ever see what she was watching?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: what was it? Uh, Lizzie McGuire. Yeah, like um, some of the plot points and some of the characters in in that are, are really like genuinely disturbing. In Lizzie McGuire, in, in all of those types of like I Carly, <coughs> and Hannah Montana, and these kind mm. of thing. Maybe not Hannah Montana, but definitely like I Carly. Mm. Like I've seen them in snippets, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. This is fucking morally repulsive. Mm. Do you know where they're like, oh, do you know what you get to, if you want somebody to do what you want, you have to do this. And there's no, like, consequences at the end of the episode. Like in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you try and do some scams and shit, and then you end up getting caught, and it's all like,
3: well,
1: you know. (laughs) There's never any that night, Carly. You just get away with it, and it's all like, Carly, Disney,
2: like. It's teaching a girl to be a little bitch, like. Yeah. Mm. I think I've seen
1: it. Mm. No, I, I'm, I'm 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 going through it in my head now as yeah, well. There's yeah. a
2: lot of that, you know, uh,
1: social engineering mm. and kind of uh, like manipulating people to get them to do what you want. Mm. And now it's gone that step further where it's like sexualizing girls and boys, but sexualizing girls younger and younger and younger, making them seem more mature, making them seem like they're able for more than they're actually able for. Mm. Like David Brooks was 12, man, he was a fucking child. And as much as you know, Dean Carr might have thought like, "Oh, he's able for this," and he, you know, because they can talk and walk, and and like when they're fourteen, like you look like you're a man pretty much. You know, you just have mm. to kind of bulk out a little bit. But to the mind of children mm. very easily malleable, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, but I'd say there was a point, you know, when he when David Brooks came back and seen the two guys on the bed. Where he must have thought, like, fucking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the police. I'm going to yeah. fucking... There was a, a a fight or flight moment. There had to be, and I think, and then he buys him a car. So he buys him a car to
1: say, here, look, this fucking, there's the car that was saying. Yeah, 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 and then you're financially beholden to them, and you kind of yeah. can't squeal then. You're like,
2: Jesus, look at all the other shit I can get. 200 yeah. quid. There's some, I don't know. <coughs> like, there could be some guy, he was in school, who didn't give him a bit of his Raider bar or something, you know? And he's just like, I see. Like, cut off your thumbs. You know what I mean? He's on the right board then two weeks later. I bet you wish you became a bit of your chocolate now, fucking Johnny. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know what I mean? All I wanted was What's, two squares of a dairy milk.
2: All I wanted was a bit of your writer bar, you hungry bastard. Yeah, and then you we're, and then you're going fucking... to be gobbling more than writer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny, man. Ah, oh, shit. So, yeah, we, we go on with Brooks' story and then with Dean. Um...
2: Yeah, Brooks's relationship with Carl was really predatory, and the shit rolls downhill as Brooks became a finder for Carl. Brooks walked in on Carl torturing a pair of teens, and was offered money to stay quiet and not to tell anyone about the event. This started a quid pro quo relationship between Dean and Brooks, which meant that Brooks would source kids from, and he'd be paid two hundred quid a kid. Brooks got a green 1969 Corvette for his silence on stumbling on Dean with the two kids and would give him 200 for each new guy he brought back to Dean's. In December 1970, Brooks lured James Glass and Danny Yates, who were both 14, back to Dean's apartment, telling them that it was going to be a
1: birthday party. Like, that's mad that he would agree to source his mates and it was for Henley and Brooks it, they were bringing back their friends how close were
2: they were they was <clears is throat> this like uh, it, was, is there any pictures online of you know James and Danny and not uh, really and but I
1: mean like remember when you were in school if you were in like third year let's say mm. so you're in like 10th grade yeah you'd have lads that you'd be friendly with but wouldn't be friends with yeah and you'd know like if I bring these lads over they're not really going to put up much of a fight or they're not that Mm. They're not that wise, like they're not, it they wouldn't be dead wide to like some shit going on mm. and the boys love to smoke a giant and huff a bit of paint mm. and sure to, to, you know, get greedy and have like a large bottle of book fast or something and fall asleep. Mm. And then sure Dean could go to work then putting the handcuffs on. Jesus. <laughs> so he wasn't like giving up his bestie best friends, mm. but he was giving up lads that were like good enough for Dean. Mm. And I'm sure Dean was, like, kind of sitting in the van outside the school some of the days and going, come here, you know that blondie kid that wears the varsity jacket? Yeah. See if you can, get, see if you can ask him over for to, a to mm. party, you know.
2: Just someone you don't like the look of, you know, you see him and you go, I just don't like the look of him. <coughs> yeah. You know, that's not like the fucking, he looks he's like not funny. My,
1: he's not my, I mean, as picky, uh, uh, as picky as these paedophiles are, you know, they always seem to get something that they enjoyed. Mm. There was always a taste, there was always someone, do you know, I've seen pictures of all the victims, and they're all pretty, like pretty similar enough profiles. Mm. Young, slim, slender boys, mm. easy to maybe overpower physically, mm. especially with some drinking drugs inside of them. What Seems to be a pattern, to... like, you know. Mm. What a way to go, you know. Yeah, man. I don't even want to think about it, but we will talk about it right now. Mm. Um, so uh, ear uh, earmuffs on, guys, if you don't want to hear some uh, awful stuff right now. Just hit that fast forward, button a few times, maybe something like that. But yeah, Brooks would offer the, the, the party house to these wayward youth to the heights. And when he bring over a friend, they'd get fucked up and Brooks would leave. De- would leave. He'd go, like, Brooks would leave and then go, yeah, uh, uh, okay, lads, I'm going to see it, And the two boys would be rolling around on the ground, fucked up. And then Dean would begin. Uh, He'd, he'd t- tie them to what was known as the torture board and then just go to town. Hmm. Uh, so this board was a sheet of plywood about as big as a, teenage boy, fully splayed out in the Vitruvian man type configuration. It was uh, eight foot long and two and a half foot wide. And uh, there was holes in each corner so that they could set up um, either nylon ropes, which he used to tie the lad's feet with, or handcuffs, which is tied their, their hands together with. And basically he'd just bind them to this board for easy transportation, I guess, uh, stop them wriggling around. Mm. And there were also like kind of opened up wide enough in all the places so that he could get to wherever he wanted to get to, whatever mm. orifices or organs he wanted to get his hands on. And then often, and this is like, <sighs> we're talking about Dean getting real prepared, often before the torture, either a letter would be written by the young lad or a phone call would be made. Okay. So he'd make a phone call to the parents and say, oh, I'm going over to David, David Brooks's house for the night. Or uh dear mom uh i don't like living at home anymore i'm going to california uh you know love to love to pop and like sparky the dog and i i maybe i'll see you sometime love you know james or whatever so the,
2: there's one hand free to, there there's one hand free to do that well the, obviously the... he's going to He's gonna
1: write be it. like, uh, if you don't write the letter, I'll cut your ears off, like reservoir dogs. Uh, or whatever. He's, just, he's a knife, just at the kicker door. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Write the fuck. Oh
1: Jesus! Tiddling your kicker. Hi, mom. <laughs> 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 he's just like that. Don't fucking say. it. Don't fucking say that. But yeah, he he uh, he. That was the thing he do often, and all of these parents have these letters that later on were found to be, uh, you know, murder victims when they found bodies and bones and stuff like that. I mean. You can only imagine the roller coaster of emotions where your son goes missing for f- seven or eight days and then you get a letter to the house that Dean Carl is at their post and mm. And then you're like, okay, well, geez, at least James is safe, you know, in California. And then you find out, like, Dean Coral, local Houston Heights mass murderer, killed a bunch of teens. And you're like, oh, my God, is our son one of them? And you find out, yeah, he he is. Like, it'd be so shit. Yeah. But, like, mm-hmm. super devious of Dean Coral to set that up in that way that, he, you know, is he he's able to get away he's able to get enough time between the crime and the parents coming looking it was just another layer like we talked earlier on about the police um willful ignorance or whatever it's just enough time to be able to keep people off the scent so that he could have time to wrap like have his two or three days of torture wrap up the body uh dispose of it you know in a a way like night digging or whatever and then not have anyone coming in and asking questions like if Mm. you wrote a letter to the parents in i ran away to california you'd have like a month or at least two months before mm. they'd be ringing the cops and then if they did ring the cops they go come here we haven't heard from our son the cops would be like well there is a note he said he's in california there's not a whole lot i can do mm. and we're not going to start a murder investigation if you have a letter from your son and it's confirmed to be his handwriting so like what do you want us to do like and what about the phone calls you're saying that we, the, someone made phone calls yeah one lad called rusty branch Rusty Branch. Oh, huh? This is weird. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds like something Dean uh, Carl would do to you. <laughs> Rusty Branch. Uh, Rusty Branch. He went missing in February 1972 and he was the son of a police radio tech and I don't know what possessed Dean Corllett to make him do it. It was one of few uh, but he got Rusty to call his ma mm-hmm. before like any torture started mm-hmm. and said while Brooks had brought uh, Branch over to the house and said, here Rusty, you want to ring your ma? tell her that you're staying over at, at David Brooks's house just so she's not worried about you. And he rang his man and said, hey, I'm going to stay at David. And within seconds of him hanging up the phone, Dean was like, "Shunk in the handcuffs under the torture board. But he had got, like, an alibi because he was heading over to David Brooks's house while he was in Dean Coral's house. And um, was David Brooks there? David Brooks was in the house, yeah. And David bo-
2: Brooks was like, oh, yes, sir, stand at mine. And he knows that he's going to yeah. get raped and all Dave Brooks, you can see how you know how much of an idiot he was. You know, was a an kid. idiot. No.
1: Either either like a comp- a complicit idiot or he was definitely in on the whole thing. Do you know what I mean? That seems like he was in on it, and as well maybe he was like, "I'm going to leave now." Mm. And Randy's like, "I might leave with you," mm. and Dean Corll is like, "Well, ring your man, tell her where you're going." Okay, yeah, that could have. And then the next thing, he's on the torture board. Mm. And everyone's like, well, he went to your house. Did he get to go to your house? Now, I tried to find out what happened. Yeah. Did they go to Brooks? Like, hey, Brooks, mm. where's Rusty Branch? Mm. He was supposed to stay at your house. i mm. oh, sure all Brooks had to say was, yeah, he was heading over, but he never made it. I was in my house and he was somewhere else and mm. never made it. And people didn't go looking for him because they're like, well, maybe he just fucked off. Yeah, but that would seem like a strange,
2: you know, I'm going to Brooks' house. So that's not like I went to California later kind of thing. That, yeah. would, that should be more... Or should have been more investigated. I, I point, think so. You know, but it wasn't. And but can we can we take a look at this kid? Like, there's a lot of kids out there going missing. I know a few <laughs> yeah. of them went ran away. <laughs> yeah,
1: like, yeah. Like there's there's dozens of kids the, going. Maybe
2: missing. <laughs> maybe the, that twelve year old guy in the van that Brooks is hang around with has something to do with it.
1: Like, well, this you know? is the thing. Like Dean Coral's house was a party house, as we talked about earlier on. Like the kids that go over uh, and hang out, mm. like they'd all be going. Like, oh, are you going tonight? Are oh, we going over to Dean's? Mm. Do you ever watch this movie starring? Um, Octavia Spencer. No. It's called Ma, Ma. Oh, I've seen
2: it, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And it's like Octavia Spencer is this weirdo mm. who refurbishes her basement so that all these kids, all these teenagers from around the area can come over and have parties in her basement and she can feel like a hostess with friends and stuff like that. Mm. I don't remember what happens in the end of it, but uh, everybody dies and the place gets set on fire or something. i it, yeah. But, like, it- I can't remember the reason why she was doing that there's something wrong with her anyway she was a weirdo to, to, psycho bitch she was after
2: the the one of the, the, the parents of the kids that was in the house was like oh. a girl a guy that knocked her back when she was a kid that's what it was yeah yeah you so it was a revenge plot to that's get just at the, the kids yeah, this fuck. thing that happened in high school she yeah, yeah. didn't get a kiss off a of bloke and now she's fucking killing all the kids man. yeah 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 but it just shows you there's a fucking some people, it doesn't take much to break the camel's back.
1: Like, exactly, you know. and she sure. seemed like me. Like Octavia Spencer is really good in that movie, and mm. um, but it has that kind of uh, 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 apparently like that. That's not an uncommon thing. Like, did you ever have a house when you were when you were coming up? Did you ever ha- have like a party house where you just go to yeah. house and you just yeah. flop into it, mm-hmm. smoke a few, smoke a few bifters, and. Yeah fucking drink a bit and if you needed to sleep there you could and if if there's a spare room I'm after scoring this young one and you give her a sleep upstairs and yeah tap out like there was loads of houses there like was a lot the of them
2: yeah yeah there was a lot of them here as well yeah yeah, yeah. and he, he like you would even climb remember when I like, climbing in, in the, the back window of the, the fucking house you know coming you know and it was grand. and yeah Rita yeah. woke up the next day and like yeah hey, fucking this woman she's get, she, get out of here she's actually dead now but she, oh, was, she was uh nothing to do with that i suppose no it was like no. fucking uh, she's natural causes, woman, like, no, okay, yeah she's okay natural cause with the uh the, uh, the first night we actually went up to this house, a friend of mine, we were smoking it up in his place. And he goes, You want to come up to this house? And I'm going to, I'm going to, we were only kids at the time, you know. And this guy, he was probably 18 ish kind of thing, you know. Yeah. And we were probably 14, 15, you know. And we we're like, yeah, yeah, you know, up to up to the house, and like he, fucking, uh, fucking animal house. It was shit like, like, what the yeah. fuck, man? He's banging this on
1: upstairs, and we were like, what the fuck? This yeah. is
2: bizarre. But it happened. But it happened a lot.
1: Like, and there's loads of houses. I'm sure, the, dear listeners out there, ha, ha, you know, spend time in those houses where you have mm. an older person who facilitates an uh, like Session. a reasonably safe hair area mm. to have sessions and go in and drink a few cans. Because otherwise, and I've done this too. You'd be just drinking out the field. Or in mm. an alley, or smoking hash out of a can that you poked a load of holes into,
3: mm.
1: you know, in a fucking in a, a behind a wheelie bin somewhere, yeah. And then like just walking around the town with your head like fucking inside them dancing or some shit like your fucking Adam and Paul going around going like, fucking <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: just milling bottles of wine in yeah. the ditch because yeah, just to get out of normality
1: like in. Just to uh, get fucked up somewhere Just to get fucked put up the, Put the straw Put the straw in the bottle of wine mm. And then bend it over the side mm. So that you could drink Just ho- hockey it yeah. Uh, yeah just get it yeah, into yeah, it into yeah. you And it wouldn't be like Yeah doing yeah Doing that shit yeah. Remember doing that shit Loads or of times
2: Shotgun and cans Just to get the buzz Yeah get it uh, into I've you I've only got enough for three cans And <laughs> I'm after you on your cans You know so someone would leave after
1: scut, just, the, you just go after you in the can like Yeah we had <laughs> Dogger was what we called it Dogger yeah. in that can and then you discovered hash, and you were like, "Oh, this gets you!" Like after five mm. or six pulls, you're fucked up, on this is brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah, man, it was there was places to go, like uh, always. So it was always somebody's house, someone's having a party. Mm. But Dean Corl facilitated this whole environment where, in a in a small town, a small area, where loads of kids wanted to just go get fucked up. They mm. weren't wanting to hang around in their parents' place. I'm sure a lot of people are from places like that, where like. You were out at night time until it was time to go to bed because you didn't want to be in or near the fucking house. Because if you showed your head and you did something or someone was in a bad form and you were around, you might have got a dig or you might, you know, mm. there was shit going on at home. You didn't want to be at home. Mm. Dean Corral facilitated an area where people could go. Mm. Now, unfortunately, he was taking, like I said earlier on, like for tree girls, he was taking advantage of people who were not really well-minded by their parents in a way Like because their parents Weren't really looking out For them in that way Um, Not overprotective Or whatever And they were used to Their kids fucking Staying out the whole time So he he had a party house And he said to Brooks Like bring Bring your mates That have like Sketchy home lives over. <laughs> Nice holes Yeah yeah <laughs> Good looking lads Parents don't really care That much That's kind mm-hmm. of what I'm looking for and Brooks was doing that and getting 200 lids a pop and in 1970 like that was probably quite a, a lot of money 200 like 13, 1,300 today Is it fuck yeah, yeah that's a lot of money man Fourteen hundred dollars like So you do two lads a month and you have you have a good wage Like,
2: I wonder Brooks got married at 18 man he
1: yeah. was just yeah. minted <laughs> minted man but well, there's no one at the wedding because he's giving all his <laughs> oh, friends the like, funeral. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, you, the bride side? Uh, side. We need to fill out this side a little bit more. There's no one. When have you got the wedding party? None. Just <laughs> me and Elmer Henley. That's about it. It's fucked up, dude. Like
2: um you'd love to see the actual. Is there any wedding photos of David? I, I couldn't find any. Or, or
1: was w- Wayne at the wedding? You know, I, I, that's you know. what I mean. Would would Dean be at the wedding? I I bless this union and you can now go away from me. Like, obviously, like, Mm. having Brooks out and about with all those secrets in his head was a no-no for Dean Garl. Mm. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We tell tell it as it is. So, um, uh, yeah, so these these young lads were wanting to run away and it was predominantly young boys because he was, you know, uh, I guess, (sighs) homosexual tendencies. He wasn't (sighs) capturing or raping girls, so. <clears throat> Dean had uh, what was known as and uh, earmuffs if you don't want to hear about bad shit I know we don't usually do torture porn but this is kind of part of the whole thing here uh, Dean Carl had what was called a toolbox for just torture sessions uh, and he inflicted serious uh, serious torture on all these young lads pulling out their pubes in clumps with the pliers and you know how how sore it is for one mm. to get caught in the zip like yeah. he was catching five or six and pulling out chunks with skin uh like you said earlier on, his favorite thing to do was to insert a tin glass rod into the penis, into the urethra, and then break it off at the top. And then what he'd do is he'd smash the penis so the glass would be inside. Jesus, so like it's a whole, a hole like a bulb that's like two or three centimeters wide, and it was used like medical equipment. And he like get the lads with a bone, and he would poke it down.
2: How do you, how does he get them on a bone, even? You know?
1: But like out of fear. You, think if, you ever get a boner when you really don't want one? Oh, yeah. Like if someone's touching your dick and you're twi- 13, yeah, you're going to get a boner yeah, anyway. Yeah, like yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know like in the doctors and you're yeah, like, don't get hard, don't smart. get hard, don't get hard. And you just poke it down, break it off the top and then smash it inside the dick. Mm-hmm. Rusty branch, would have a rusty branch. Yeah, day, wouldn't <laughs> rusty branch, poor old rusty. Good Um, <sighs> He, yeah, he had a, a, a variety out then of giant, there were varying sizes up to giant uh, rubber dildos. That he'd forcibly uh, ram up their arses, I guess is the only way to say it. Um. So then, after all of this kind of preamble, which could go on for up to three days, he then brutally, anally raped them and already copulate with them too. And then, when he was spent, Brooks and Henley said he would just kill them, usually with uh like a twenty two pistol shot to the head, or or a quick strangulation with a with a nylon rope. He just like. Just real quick and unceremoniously, like he wasn't into the killing part, he just needed to get them done and disposed of. Hmm. Um, Brooks and Henley, who witnessed a lot of the, like Henley witnessed a lot of the murders, he said he took no joy in the the death part, it was all about the torture and inflicting the pain. And the more pain, the more enjoyment he got from the act. Hmm. But as soon as he'd come or whatever a few times and used them all up on the torture board, um, he used to starve them and stuff for days and Hmm. towards the end it'd just be like... Broke up and spent, and he'd be slicing them and raping them and doing all the stuff. I'd say um, the, the smell of that board, man. Fucking
2: hell. Yeah. And the shit, he's probably starving them, so there's no shit coming out of yeah, him. He's yeah. going to get shit on his kicker, like, yeah. on
1: his knob. Like, yeah, that's, it's fucking mad, man. Mad shit, man. Like to think about how to do it, and then to do it, and then to know, oh, yeah, here's the system. <sighs> I'm going to do it again, and again, and again. Uh, Henley told that the story of one of the victims who upset Coral during the torture. And according to Henley, Dean leaned down. And he took the victim's dick and balls in his mouth and he bit down at the base and in one movement ham, ripped off this kid's whole dick and balls and then put them in a plastic bag and sealed the plastic bag and kept them for later. For a lot, for what? Like? Just like to don't just as a like, clearing or something? Yeah, memento like a rabbit's foot or something yeah. <laughs> that's fucked They took the whole thing and then they did the autopsy part on the dick and balls they found in the bag and found it a were all ripped off it wasn't like <laughs> it was wasn't one sliced one off boy. it was one rip one rip and they thought like he must have just ripped it off with his hands or with, with a tool and then like Henley said no no he, he... What, what what was his thought process when he was it like, he was be... just like don't fucking back cheek me one of the lads on the board was giving him back cheek and he's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what the crack was how, do you get off, how do, would you
2: get off the board if you were on the board? If you were on that board and he... was, There's yeah. no way of getting off it. But if, you know, you've got to... Oh, yeah, I mean... Throw, you, he rips the type mouthy off, cunt, like, you'd have to... He rips to, the type of... You have 30 yeah. seconds, man. What do you say? Like, I love getting beaten up. Ah, uh, oh, stab me more. I love you. Yeah, what's saying? the psychology behind... What how the, would you talk you your way off the board? Off the board? Yeah, how do you get off the board? How do you get off
1: the board, I think at that point, you have to... You have to realize you're not getting off the board. If he's ever doing away, all of man. that mad Come shit, to there's you.
2: always a way, man. There's something in there. There's a one in a million chance of getting off that board, like.
1: Well, that's the thing. Like Henley, Henley got off the board. Henley got off the board twice, man. Yeah, I didn't know. Maybe the first time he wasn't on the board, but he was on the board he the was, second. Time, he was man. on the way. He was on the way to the board the first time.
2: Mm-hmm. Imagine the and other he, guy who was on the board with Henley the last time. I, like, I should have said that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, so Why didn't nice I like, say it first? Yeah.
1: Or maybe Dean was out like having a piss Mm-mm. and the other guy was like wayne wayne yeah come here when he comes back in i'm gonna tell him i'm gonna tell him that i really like him and i want to help him do all the murders okay yeah yeah so y yeah, and you tell him the same okay and, and he'll, he'll let us go yeah okay okay and then when dean comes back in <laughs> wayne's <is> like dean <laughs> deany <Do> you... <laughs> Do you need to actually? I, I was wondering, like, could I help you do these murders? He was just saying, he like, if you let him go, he's going to tell the cops. But I was saying, like, <laughs> he's like, Wayne, what the fuck, man? He's like, sorry, sorry, you want to gag him quick, Dean? Like, how how do you get off the board? How do you get off the board, man? Yeah, it's a fucking puzzler. Mm. I'm sure this kid has his fucking dick and balls ripped off by by mm. Dean Carl's mouth. Uh, it turns out it was Rusty Branch. Mm. Poor old Rusty got the fucking uh,
2: Rusty got Rusty got his branch.
1: Off, yeah, man. yeah, I is left him the right? bag to rust. That is <laughs> like bad news, man. Bad so, news. poor old Rusty got his dick ripped off. So, it, obviously, at some point during the torture, Rusty was like, I'm not getting out of this, so I'm just going to give this cunt dogs abuse. But I'm sure Dean Carl had got dogs abuse before. Yeah, but what did Rusty say to him to make him go that far it's to do boy that shit? is
2: Mickey off, man? Did, did now I'm not I'm speculating, was Dean into did Dean, Dean bang the hole Where the Mickey was, around, like I, don't was know, on, I, don't, I
1: don't know Any, any details of it could, could Dean
2: I imagine they were Probably joking around as well So Dean could have Bit the thing off And pretend that it was a phone You know yeah, going, yeah, yeah. Hey Wayne There's do a phone call, call for you, do you, do you call your mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah I don't know I don't think it was Like that um Jovial That it may That it may have been Like he was trying to Punish him further For giving him back cheek
2: But they're they're, they're all smoking her up as well. I reckon there has to be some sort of... David and Wayne, and there has to be a bit of a kind of, you know... Camaraderie? Yeah, camaraderie, and we're joking about this and all. I knew a dude who worked in a morgue before, and all they used to do was joke about banging bodies and shit, you know? Yeah. So in in that kind of atmosphere, they're probably just going to be laughing about...
1: Yeah. You know. Well, all the rest of the stuff he was doing to him, like he was taking them off the board and changing them in different positions and mm. like flipping them around and doing stuff like, like continually reacting for days, uh, uh, days on end, you know. Jesus, um, one of the th- one of the theories behind it is, and the fact that he was always like focused on like glass tubes down the dick or biting dicks off or chopping you know, them up like white pudding. Um, he had this condition, he was diagnosed with this th- uh, condition called uh, Hydrocele. So hydro, C-E-L-E, hydrocele. Mm. Uh, and it's a, con- a medical condition which is displayed by a collection of fluid around the testicle and then the scrotum fills with fluid and becomes large and needs to be drained and is very, very painful. Mm. Um, Maybe this is the so, where yeah. pee is stored in the balls or something. I don't know. Like The, the lads on the internet got this. But this hydrocele is like super painful condition it's like like overswelled balls right mm. so maybe like Dean Carl had super swelly up balls and he was like well if I can't enjoy myself mm. I'm gonna fucking ruin user cocks as well like that he was just like taking out the revenge of his own pain on other young lads dicks and balls
2: that makes a lot of sense man
1: I I mean it's a it's a theory out there but he he had that condition he was found when, he, when they found his dead body like he had mm. like swollen up balls like a fucking grapefruit because mm. we're just filling up with fluid the whole time I don't know what kind of fluid mm. but like sore yeah I'd say so yeah. imagine your nuts were swelling like filling up the whole time you know yeah you see that yeah, yeah. it's fucked and then and then, of course there was uh, they found what was called the torture box where the bodies were kept in case of emergency for later torture they'd, they'd keep the lads in there while they were storing them rather than leaving them tied to the to the torture board all night mm. they'd fold them up and put them in the field position and put them into this torture box dead no alive Deadly. and then take them out then the next morning and go at them again Uh, But it's just like in case they're able to break free or to break the, like you'd bend and break the board maybe. So they put them in this box, and inside the box they had these like eye eye screw hooks, and like nylon rope when it was found, and uh, they had a big a big door and like it was built. It was like basically a big wooden cage. So So he he put the lads in, and then he used to transport them. When they died, he'd put them in this box because it was easy to lift and you could cover it over with a tarp, and you could lift Mm. it and put it in the back of a truck and drive it down to, say, the boat shed or whatever and lob it into the... take them out of the box and dig the hole and put them into the thing.
2: surprised he didn't have a forklift and all (laughs) that. Yeah, yeah. Beep, 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 like rewind and shit.
1: Yeah, um, it was a serious operation, but it was also fine-tuned over the space of, like, two and a half years. Mm. And Henley and Brooks were into it. Into getting it done, like mm. they were f- efficient as a trio, mm. in getting this shit done. So yeah, uh, uh, if you want to tell us about w- when Henley showed up then Andrew, at the at the at the at the Coral Party House. <coughs> yeah, uh,
2: Henley was uh, fifteen at the time he met Brooks. He was out helping Coral uh, victim David Hillegeist's parents hang up missing posters as he searched for their son.
1: I know the irony of it. Oh, that's terrible because he was friends with Hillegeist. I oh, was thirteen, God. and and Henley was fifteen at the time, and they were like yeah. little playmates out the street. Yeah, and when he sure. found out he was going missing, he's like, "Hey, Mister Seller, guys, can I help you with your, with the posters for David?" Like, mm,
2: man, what man. a fucking cunt! Uh, the police were doing nothing about all these lads going missing, and they refused to investigate most of the cases further, presuming the lads had just run away. The the letters and phone calls not dissuading them from this assumption. One kid, Reuben Haney,
1: even rang his mother and said he would be staying over with his friend David Brooks. There you go, Reuben Haney. I started with an R and I saw Rusty and I thought it was him. Reuben Reuben Haney was the lad that rang his mommy.
2: Imagine. He was never seen again. Uh, Brooks tried to lure Henley to Dean's place uh, and Dean took a shine to him. He offered him to be his accomplice and told the two of them that the lads that they bring would be sold into a sl- sex slave ring. And he initially refused, but the money was too good to turn down. And even after some resistance, uh, bringing dead bodies wrapped in plastic, and he was in for the long haul.
1: Imagine um, being offered that like 1,500, what was it, 1,300 bucks $1, a body? a, a body. You're <laughs> broke. Mm. Um, you're in a shit part of town that nobody has any money. Mm. And all of a sudden, this rich mm. factory... You know Owner You have nothing Like you're fucking You have holes in your runners yeah. And you're bleeding Not a pot to piss in Not a pot to piss in All your mates are fucking leaving for California Or mm. so you think mm. uh, You know it's 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 f- mm. Fucking urban decay time Like Leak yeah Leak And the mm. boys are like What You just have to bring a few of my mates over here And you give me a rake of money Deadly
2: mm. And they're, they're at that age, they don't, you know, they're 12 years
1: of age, yeah. not fully formed,
2: and they're, they're like, ah, oh, fuck this, you know.
1: Well, Henley was 15, so he was a little bit older, and he, he knew a little bit more, mm. and at the time, Brooks was 13, so there were friends, like, Hilleguist and Brooks were the same age. Uh, Henley was, like, friends with them from around the way. Do you know the way mm. you just have, like, that kind of, that age group where it doesn't really matter how old you are? Yeah, yeah. They're all yeah. playing football, and some lads are a little bit bigger or whatever. Mm. But, yeah, he um, he, he 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 got off the board, as you said. Mm. Whatever magic twinkle in the eye that that Dean Corll saw in in, in Wayne Henley Mm. and said, like, come here, you like this shit, do you? Mm. Do you want to do it with me, like? Mm. And later on in in testimony after his arrest, Henley was like, yeah, man, he forced me to do it. But at the same time, I'm thinking, like, jeez, you don't, um, didn't have to force you that much, like, did he? I just go home, Jack man. I mean, you, you know, take. Right, you made,
2: you made a couple hundred quid. Fucking leave it at that, man. You or, know like, you get
1: off the board and then go, like, yeah, I'll help you. And then go straight to the cops. Go straight to the and cops. And then you're out yeah. of the game. Then you're out of the game, then. Yeah. Because he'll get arrested and. You know the crack, you know where the bodies are buried.
2: Yeah, you'd you'd kind of, um, with Henley, you'd blame him a lot more there because I think he's 15 years of age, you should have known better. Uh, You know, at at that point, fucking, this fella's a
1: mad bastard. Yeah, I'm into it, yeah. Straight onto the cops then, yeah. You can nearly excuse Brooks's behaviour because Brooks was just bringing lads over and then leaving and he wasn't Mm. really, like, participating or paying attention to what was being done. Mm. But Henley was like... In it to win it. Like he was he mm. was in. He was like, Yeah, this is what we're doing now. Yeah. So like we're gonna do a whole other episode on Elmer Wayne Henley mm. and the before times before he met uh mm. Dean Coral were before he met Dean Coral. Yeah, there were there were he was doing some shit anyway. Oh, know? was he? Yeah.
0: Oh fuck. <clears throat>
1: but Henley, we talk about him in another episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. yeah, poor old Reuben Henley, the <laughs> during his man. Like Henley was fucking scooping these lads up and um the two lads, Henley and Brooks, together they named a lot of the lads that they had that taken apart in killing it w- after they after they got arrested, and a lot of them were their friends from the local area. Like imagine, like all your fucking mates. Mm. You we know, were joking at Brooks's wedding; there was no one in the room, side. So, but like, yeah. it's for real. Like thirty lads and more. That's a lot of lads, isn't it's it? A like lot yeah, of lads that's in the one a town. Lot, you know what in, I mean? In that very specific age demographic. Mm. Like, how many in any town? How many lads would be? of any age in a certain group. So let's say from my hometown, when we went into, like, say, first year in in secondary school and high Mm school, right? In my year, there was 100 lads split into four classes of 25. There was another first year in the Peters, which was around about 100. And then another set of lads who were in the tech, about about 100 of them. Mm. So that's 300. And then, and that's just in the town area. Mm. That's in one town of like twenty thousand people. So, if you say three hundred thirteen-year-olds that mm. year, there wouldn't be much more uh, boys. There was three boys' schools, mm. so there wouldn't been much more in the town. There's other secondary schools that are out, uh, 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 you know, just but just for handy numbers, three hundred thirteen-year-olds mm. uh, uh, that year, and Coral and Henley and Brooks killed almost thirty. So that's ten percent of the population of a whole age age range mm. were gone. So can you imagine in in my school where there was a hundred lads in the in the year in that year they mm. were split into four classes of twenty five, and then over the course of like a year and a half, maybe mm. a whole one of those classes just disappeared. Dead, yeah. They just disappeared and never came back. Mm. You'd notice, yeah. It'd be very visible.
2: But it, the the fact that this was a party, gaff and kids went there over a certain age—how the fuck? What would he? But was he interviewed even about the whole thing before this? Coral uh, at all? Any, no, no. The, there was
1: no suspicious. Like uh, the cops would be fucking on that, like flies around shite. Mm. Going what's going on around here There's young lads doing drugs At the very minimum mm. There's young people up here Being allowed to do drugs Being facilitated by an adult yeah. What's going on Yeah At the very minimum mm. Right At the very maximum They would like View the people going in And then they weren't around anymore And then the parents are going My son is missing I was like That that young lad used to hang around A lot at the Corals house I wonder mm. And go and ask some fucking questions yeah. Like Nothing was done about it. And mm. the police are definitely, like, at the serious fault there. Yeah, big time, yeah. Definitely. Um. So, yeah, uh, they admitted to helping carry bodies with Coral. Uh, they attempted to, or they admitted to uh, laying down plastic sheeting, digging graves, and loads of other shit, like the crimes and the murders and stuff like that. Henley tried to uh, extricate himself from the situation and attempted to enlist in the army at one point, but Dean had ins- expressed interest in his younger brother's. And said to Henley, "I mean, if you are not here, who's going to be around to protect your little brothers from me?" So he decided to not go out to the army. And he decided to stick around and protect his 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 kid brothers. Like that's some fucking that's some workaround a shit. Pre-
2: like predicament there, you know. <coughs> yeah, a kid that age, you, you're not um, you're gonna think deeply about, about that. But the, I mean, he should
1: have just fucking got rid of bleeding Dane here. Give me that gun, say a again. And you know. this, this is the thing You he, he end up pushing somebody so far That they will do something like that mm. But he went like "Ah, oh man If you're out of the game I mean there's nothing standing between me And your brothers being on the board mm. yeah. Of course that's going to make you shit yourself
2: Yeah but you Would you not kind of be Go to David here Look This fella's fucking nuts man He's going after ask me brothers and all now Now we're getting rid of all our mates But damn yeah. brothers man yeah. we got to
1: get rid of them Don't touch the family
2: we got to get rid of the fella
1: I'm sure like that risk was there the whole time for Dean Coral, but Mm. like he was just doing whatever it took to make the white stuff come out and Mm. I'd say he just caught in the frenzy of it like he's like I have these lads now they've done like they've done think about the weight on, and I'm not trying to sympathise with a murderer but the weight of guilt and the whole situation and everybody's fate and all this stuff like are is all laying on the shoulders of Elmer Wayne Henley Mm. like he's like I can't get out of this I committed loads of murders if I rat on Dean I'm going to jail myself do you know yeah so Brooks then at some point was fed up with the situation and after the summer of of many many murders uh, 1973 with five lads kidnapped and killed uh, in just July alone Mm. that's more than one a week Brooks went fuck this and married his pregnant fiance and they moved out of Houston Heights and left Henley as Carl's solo apprentice. Mm. He was out of the game. Mm. And this was only like a few months before the inevitable end of the whole uh, situation. Yeah. You feel sorry for Brooks in a way. That you of, do that and you don't. Know. I mean, as much as you can feel sorry for like, mm. I don't know, Ed Kemper being really mm. mistreated by his ma. Yeah. Doesn't excuse chopping her head off and then fucking her throat hole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a... <laughs> quid pro quo type of reaction like <laughs> yeah. is that you, no, get, you get what you give you reap what you sow you rape what you sow I suppose yeah. <laughs> but like just I don't know man Dean Coral is uh, bad to the bone so just very quickly the victims of Dean Coral, Jeffrey Conan uh, was killed in September 1970 uh, apparently his first victim uh, he was a college student who went hitchhiking and then you know Dean got him tied him up and um, I guess the professional way with which he dispatched of Uh, Jeffrey Conan leads police to think that this wasn't his first rodeo Mm. he had him tied up gagged strangled and you know pretty pretty well trussed up yeah um, spatchcock or whatever Mm. and uh, I think personally and a lot of people on the internet think that Dean Coral was murdering all the way through the 60s all the digging and all that stuff like that 1970 was the first one that Henley could kind of confess to or or Mm. Facilitate the confession too um,
2: No definitely But he was
1: definitely Doing something Yeah, yeah the of course
2: the David caught him With the two kids He yeah. probably caught him That time Then he let them in On his little fucking thing Yeah He's digging holes All his life man the He just got
1: caught fucking, by, yeah. by Brooks And it started That kind of Apprentice mm. relationship think he was yeah. doing it On his own For a long time mm. um, The next lads Then Jimmy Glass James Glass And David Yates December 1970 Uh, They were Most likely those lads you just said that that Brooks caught him at. Uh, Brooks walked in and he was walking around in the nip you know, with a boner Mm. uh, and he was just after going at James Glass's body and Brooks was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh shit, come in here, I'll give you a car. Shut up, shut up. He managed to uh, get away with it, I guess, and uh, they went missing during the church service. Those two lads went, oh, we're just going to go sketch out the, out Mm. the door. Out for a smoke. Out for a smoke, and this is the reason why... A lot of parents in America are like you don't need the church, don't need you know, it was very famous. Like if you're going into church and you stay in there, don't be skipping church and don't be it was like one of those things held over people, like someone mm. come and take you, you know? Mm. Um then nineteen seventy one, January, Donald and Jerry Waldrop, two brothers, taken from a bowling alley and Coral strangled strangled him to death when he brought him back to the apartment. Um, Randall Harvey from March nineteen seventy one, uh he was taken, pulled off his bike. Uh, and taken back to Carl's apartment and uh, died from a uh, shot in the head at 15. Mally, Winkle and David Hillegeist in May 71. So they were taken from the Heights as well. Mally was 16 and David was 14 and Brooks cajoled them and led them back to Coral's house. And they'd been there loads of times before so they knew the crack. They knew like we're going to get fucked up with mm. some paint to do all that. And uh, Carl killed them and buried them in the boatshed. And Hilleguist's parents were out offering a £1,000 reward and this is where Henley sees the posters being put up and is like, can I help? Um, so there's an unknown victim and then, f- I don't know how to pronounce this, Frank-, Frank? no. I should be able to pronounce the first name at the very least, Frank Aguirre in March 72. This is after Henley had joined the operation and he picked up a random lad that was on the street and they didn't know his name where he was from so that's why he's unknown. And then they found the body of the boathouse and then um, Henley brought his friend Frank, I think it's maybe... So one of these good friends as kind of like an initiation to show Dean his loyalty. Uh, they worked together at the Long, Long John Silver's fish restaurant. Mm. Um, and this guy had a fiance and all this kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, man. Bad, bad fucking bad juju. Uh, and then Mark Scott in April 72, another friend of Henley's that he brought. And um, they didn't uh, rape or torture him, but they just strangled him to death, I guess, but they weren't Henley, Henley brought him back and He wasn't the scratch. Dean wasn't yeah, Dean wasn't wasn't into, into it. it yeah. Uh and then Billy Balch and Johnny mm. Delone in May seventy two. Uh Billy was seventeen and Johnny was sixteen, and they were hanging at, at Billy's house and they went out to get sodas and Coral got him into the house kind of going, Hey, do you want to come for a party? And then fourteen months later in July seventy three, Michael Balch, mm. who's Billy's little brother. Was also picked up by Carl after he's get got a haircut, and he was asked to come over for a few scoops.
2: How could how could her parents let the boy go anywhere after that? You know what I mean? It's, your brother's missing.
1: I'm gonna fucking watch it every. Someone day. lifted
2: him off the street, you know, and yet
1: Michael Balch was allowed to go and walk around. Mad, um, Homer Garcia, and then two other unknown victims, um, was in Handy's uh, driving class, and he got Homer to come over. Billy Lawrence then was 15, and he he was forced to write a letter to his dad so he was. He was leaving for California and he'd be back. And uh, Rusty branched in February 72. Uh, that was like got his dick and balls bit off. And then there were seven unnamed victims in the summer of 73. Uh, Henley helped Carl catch and kill these boys. And um, then there was Stanton Dremala, was the last known victim officially for Carl that's known. I mean, Mm. there could be more. Uh, But he was 13 and when when Henley kind of grabbed him up and Jamie Bulgered him back to Coral's house Mm. and uh, then the 29th victim, uh, there was a film crew doing a search of Wayne Henley's belongings and they found this really creepy Polaroid picture that was taken after the um, summer murder of Stanton Dremala and... They don't know when he was killed, and mm-hmm. they asked Henley and Brooks, and neither of them remember who this kid was. But it's basically like a snuff picture of the kid, like crazy, scared, screaming, with fright. That's a Polaroid picture that was found in Henley's belongings. What the fuck was he doing? Oh, with, with a with a weird... mind, I yeah. think so, man. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Like Henley was, it was enjoying that a little bit too, a little bit too fucking much, you know. Mm. Tell
0: them all about it, those conspiracy guys.
1: Um, So, over the murder career of Dean Carl, 42 boys went missing in the Houston area (laughs) since 1970, and the Houston police were considered useless by the public and by the families of the missing boys, but the times and conditions of society are also to blame. So, their incompetence has led to presumptions that there was more victims of the trio than were previously announced, as we talked about before, and then bones of a third person, imagine, were found in the jewel grave of the 26th and 27th victim of Carl and his cohorts. They found an extra human bone. But they couldn't find anybody that was missing to match with it, the, so they aban- abandoned the investigation before the year was out in 1973. The, there's there's a lot of digging to be done, you know, you know literally and figuratively. around
2: that area, and, yeah, the, yeah. and around that area, the back of under the, the cement and all that stuff. Yeah, but man. The, the,
1: the, the fucking they willfully ignored the shit. Hmm. So like they let it happen, they ignored the the warning signs, the red flags, and they just kept kept their head down, hmm. and he just kept on killing. Hmm. Um two boys that Henley claimed were buried up uh, at the beach were Mark Scott and Joseph Lyles and then while Scott remains undiscovered, Lyles' body was found by accident in 1983 uh, uh, in the beach area up from where the other other lads were found in the Mm. boathouse. So like there was four different burial sites Mm. and the beach hasn't been properly excavated and it definitely Mm. should because... Do you know, there'd be kids digging a fucking hole one of them days and they will come across somebody's skull. Mm. Like, there's loads of people buried under there. And there could well, be many yeah. more. That could have been one of the first places Carl was burying lads from the 60s. So there, who knows mm. how many is there, you know? But he's prolific. He's doing, since the guys uh, joined him, he was doing weekly weekly rapes, wasn't he? Was... Uh, towards the end, it was, mm. yeah. One, one a week for the whole summer. He got eight lads one summer. Mm. Um, but the thing is, the timelines of the bodies found and the murders... And the known murders, uh, they don't match up with this prolific 12-month period before um, before incarceration. And investigators think that there may be more unfound victims that Henley and Brooks had no part in and therefore no knowledge of, so they couldn't confess the locations of. Uh, so we said that Carl's first victim was uh, on Judy West Street, which is Dean's former re- residence before 1970. So that's the September 1970 uh, death of Jeffrey Conan. And that was the first one that Brooks had brought to him. So that was the first one that they knew of for Shizzle. But who says that Coral wasn't doing that shit beforehand anyway? Um, The last two lads were killed in 3300 Yorktown Street, where Dean had moved to after the Judy West Street apartment. And the earliest double murder Coral committed was the murder of James Glass and Danny Yates, which is the one that Brooks walked in on that was confessed by him. But they were killed in the Yorktown address, as was Coral's earliest victim, Alan Conan, In September 1970, but Brooks named James Glass, who he knew personally, in a separate murder. So Brooks remembers James Glass not being part. So the chronology and the way that the bodies are found in doubles. So it's James Glass and Danny Yates are thought to be killed at the same time. Mm. But Brooks confessed and testified that James Glass was killed in a different couple, couplet, Mm. Mm. at a different time. But their bodies were found together, bound together. Mm. So they presumed that they were killed at the same time, and, yeah, and yeah. Coral liked to do it in, in in pairs. So Brooks only knew Conan's murder and the location of the body on the beach because Coral showed him the location. He wasn't actually around for that. Mm. So how many other murders did Coral perpetrate before Brooks came on the scene? How many? How many did you do on his own mm. and then only told Brooks about a few afterwards to know, like a, ber- a kill that buried in there, kill that yeah. buried in there. He's from a different school. He would know. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, you know, bigging himself yeah, up. Yeah, I'd yeah. say he killed loads more lads, and none of them mm. were found. You know, so Carl showed him the location, and that's the only reason that they knew that that shit was there. But maybe this chronology, and here's where the conspiracy leaks in. Maybe the chronology was made neat and tidy, and the bodies were paired up because they were found together or found near each other. And the Houston police were just like, "Okay, let's just make this fucking investigation go away, neat and tidy." We don't have to go looking for any more bodies. We can just identify all these people together. Do those bones match? I said, do those bones match? Wink. Mm. They do. Okay, so there's only two bodies in this grave. Mm. When really it was three. Mm. When was uh, when was uh, James Glass found? I said, wink. When was James Glass found? Yeah, yeah. Sound, sound. Okay, okay. We can we can link all them together. So it was like seemingly falsified and lazy, falsified information and lazy police work. Yeah, that put these lads on a certain timeline that leaves massive gaps then in the the activities of Dean Corll. Like, why would he stop for five and six months at a time? It makes no fucking sense, but he did, according to the police. But that's only because that those gaps make it easier for them to place the murder victims at different points along mm. the timeline. Because if they had James Glass in a period of seemingly, like, quiet activity from Dean Corll... What else was he doing around that time? Mm. Do you know? The gaps in the murders then are long compared to the uh, to the provable and confessed to 12 prolific months towards the end. Carl's last victim in 1971 was Reuben Haney, who went missing in August. So the first murder in 1972 was Willard Branch, Rusty, who went missing in February 9th. So then he didn't kill anyone for six months between August 1971 and February 1972. That doesn't sound... That doesn't sound like him. He was prolific. He was out the whole time. That's not Dean, though. No. That's so not the Dean we know. Yeah. It isn't, like, come on. Oh, he's. Dean. Like, six months, man. Maybe, did he take a break for Christmas?
2: I don't think so. Did he have so? Did the ball thing he had, the ball problem he had, was that, um... Did that
1: inflame up or something? Maybe, shit, maybe man? so. That's... I never thought of that. Maybe it was hmm. just like, I'm not in the mood to rape anybody. My balls are at me. Okay, that's why... It, Comes in the, in the winter months. The
2: reason he... The reason he fucking did all the killing could have been as well because... You know his first encounter, a homosexual encounter. Someone laughed at his balls. You know he's just like, yeah, fucking laughing at me balls, man.
1: Yeah, or he's in the army and somebody caught him and they made, they made him sorry that he was gay in the army, mm. like by betting shit at him or ridiculing him or whatever. Yeah. So I guess like the shame and all that stuff around it maybe made promoted the mm. the violence as part of the sex, but the whole thing is the way that the that the murders were classified and put together in a timeline that leave that left massive gaps that made no sense really in the murder career of Dean Cora, which was a very regular and very frequent killer. Mm. So either Brooks and Henley had nothing to do with the murders between August 71 and February 72 mm. and Dean was just going out and killing people on his own and not saying that, which I think definitely could God, be the case. Mary, do, 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 he was doing it for years beforehand.
2: Like Dean was pro Dean, Wayne and Dave were probably sitting down one of the nights going, De- Wayne and Dave had a chat and they are like, listen Dean, we don't want to do this shit anymore. Yeah, and then Dan's like alright we won't do it anymore let's just have a few joints and shoot up you know and did they a had few. a few drinks he did a few on his own he's yeah. like yeah lads, I'm just doing a few you know and then they came back in, in early 72 and they're
1: like we actually miss
2: it like <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> missed a, a we few quick, man yeah yeah already had an, an
1: argument some cunt
2: at school like get that cunt down to Dean's yeah.
1: man. it's coming up to the Paddy's then and yeah. yeah. feel bob for drinks you know what <laughs> mean? any chance we could do one more heist yeah. one, yeah. one last heist <laughs> one last job like some fucking it's like Brad Pitt having a, having a drink. Uh, Ocean's Eleven, <sharp inhale> Yeah, yeah. A... Uh, Elmer Wayne Henley. <laughs> David Brooks. This summer. <laughs> That's the fucking... I don't know, man. The gaps don't make any sense. <laughs> so, um, there's a gap of four months then in 1973 between February and June and the only unidentified victim of Coral was the badly decomposed body in the boat shed which, by the state of decomposition was killed in 71 or 72. And, as he was wearing swimming trunks, this body, it was thought to have been uh, murdered during the summertime. He was out having a swim down by the lake. Dean found him. Crime of, you know, convenience. Mm. Put him on the board. Gave him the shots. You know, killed him and then buried him out in the fucking...
2: Why is he putting his pants
1: back on? He's not putting his pants back on. He never took found with the pants on, no? Oh, yeah. Maybe Mm. it was just... Maybe he didn't put him on the board. Maybe he just killed him and just... Mm. Buried him. Well, he was naked. He just—he was just putting a model in, or just
2: prancing <laughs> around without no top on, or something. I don't know. I don't know.
1: I never thought of that. Yeah, why would he put his underpants back on if he was well, going to bury him? Pants
2: back on him? I'm going to bury him.
1: Yeah, to put these lovely speedos on him, take a picture. <laughs> yeah, I never thought about that. Maybe he just killed him. He, he, or maybe the young lad in the speedos caught him burying somebody in the boat shed because he was swimming around. Yeah, and he was like, "You got to go, man. You can't be a witness." That's yeah. That that, sounds, that could be. The, that yeah. could be. I never heard that, but that could be the case. Mm. I never thought that he'd never raped them. He just, like, killed them out of convenience. Um, so, yeah, the uh, the burial spot for this guy, the clothing and the gaps, I mean, the investigators deduce he was killed in late no- summer 1971. So this was a time of, of prolific murder for Dean. Mm. It was his first kind of wave, and then he stopped in... Um, he stopped in uh, August until the following year. So, like... There was seasons, he'd go through seasons of murder, mm. but it wasn't a pattern in any way. Mm. So, I mean, if this was at the end of a very prolific period, who knows, Dean might have been bringing the, the the torture box down full of bodies or full of body bits, mm. and he was burying it down by the boat shed, and this lad was swimming around, and he's seen him, and he's like, okay, this lad has to go. Yeah, that's probably the boat best. shed, yeah, yeah. The, the best, uh, uh, Summation mm. So then what what Dean himself Or what Henley calls um, The bloodlust frenzy uh, For the summer of 1973 It includes the deaths of Billy Ray Lawrence who was 15 Ray Blackburn 20 Homer Garcia who was 15 years of age John Sellers 17 Michael Balch who was 15 Marty Jones 18 and then Charlie Cobble 17 James and Dre 13 and this was carl's most prolific period of uh murder all of these lads went on the board uh but he went from nothing from the year before Mm. for six or seven months to this frenzy of like bang 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 bang. after this like it's a steady stream of murders a lot of the investigators are like how can you go so quiet usually it ramps up it ramps up it ramps up and then ends in a frenzy but there's never a break." You were saying it was 42 boys were missing in the area
2: though at the time so it yeah. still was 14 on account of her. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, And it could have been uh, Dean Dean Carl doing that stuff in the before time or the after time mm. or in the down times when
2: I mean, when did when they Brooks go and missing? In,
1: that's the thing mm. so they're going missing in these times of the gaps mm. so people are presuming that like Carl was off doing his business without Henley and Brooks mm. at some stages, at some points, that like he decided, yeah, I'm just gonna do this one on my own. Mm. Do you know? Just gonna do it for the crack, you know. It's yeah.
2: like it's like it's like when you're giving up smoking and you yeah, you just gonna have a sly smoke without <laughs> anyone seeing you, you know. Gonna, and then and then the next thing you're back like, to forty a day, forty
1: a fucking day, you know? killing eight, <laughs> killing eight young lads in the summer, just going yeah. I can't stop, can't give up. <laughs> I, can't. I tried the patches, but
2: uh I got the paid out all. Yeah, I got the, I got the fake ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we got yeah. the,
1: we got the, the rape vape. The rape it. vape. Yeah, yeah trying That's to get, the get off of a yeah. rape. Yeah, it didn't work, man. Didn't work. He was prolific that summer '73, and um, yeah, I mean he, uh, he ended in a bloodbath. Andrew, will you tell us about how he ended? Dean and his
2: two child accomplices continued their killing spree into August 73 and Henley now 17 asked Timothy Curley to a house party in Dean's gaff on the way to the group were joined by Rhonda Williams who was a friend of Curley's she had been attacked by her father that evening and was looking for some secure company I mean the irony of that fucking okay, hell what a boss of him. Dean was mad about bringing the girl to the house and now she knew where Curly
1: was. She couldn't be allowed to leave. He was so furious. The reports from Henley mm. says that he was roaring and screaming and He pulled him into another room and he grabbed him by the face and he's like, you fucking little prick. Mm. can't believe you brought a woman. It he was so abhorrent to having a female presence. Mm. And I mean, that kind of says something. I don't know what it says, but it definitely mm. says something. That he didn't want to have anything to do with a woman. And then, and then, I mean, spoilers, when they put them on the board... Mm. Uh, he wouldn't have had to do with Rhonda He didn't even want to take off her clothes mm. uh, Where he was wanting to strip down um, Curly's Body Like mm. strip him down naked And he was mm. like I don't care about Rhonda Just like kill her or whatever mm. He was so mad for some reason I don't know what the reason is Could it be that he was just Wanting to deal with boys
2: Yeah just he was horny that No he wanted to kill a dude And fucking dis- You know Bringing your mom to a house party, you're like, "What are you doing?" Like, it was a
1: 15 year old girl, so I, I mean, know. he could have done stuff with that. I don't know. It's weird.
2: I don't know. Maybe uh, was, I mean,
1: yeah. the murderer's mind or whatever.
2: Yeah. Who the hell knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, they all got fucked up, drinking, smoking weed, and they all fell asleep. And Dean put Curly and Rhonda in handcuffs and gagged them. He also put Henley in handcuffs and gagged him. And when Dean noticed he had woken up, he told him that they were all going to die because Rhonda had come over. Henley promised he would participate in, in the torture and murder of the other two if he was released. So the two brought Rhonda and Curly out and tied them to the boards. The boards, it must be two boards. Dean gave. A, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, you got extra boards. Fucking hell, man.
2: The Dean, Dean gave a knife to Henley and said to cut the clothes off them both. Rhonda had woken up and started questioning Henley. He asked Dean if he could take her into the other room and Rhonda asked Henley if he was going to do anything about it. So Henley picked up a pistol and pointed at Dean and said they'd gone too far and had to stop. Dean came for Henley shouting, you won't do it. And Henley let off a shout. A shot into Dean's forehead, spinning him around, shooting him in the shoulder, and then as Dean stumbled down the hall, shot him three times in the back, killing him.
1: Jesus. Yeah, man, it was it was a fight for survival.
2: It was a, he was a fucking demon, though. It was a real a cinematic piece. Three shots, and he's still trying to crawl his way fucking yeah. away from.
1: Uh, I've watched the, I've watched well, a lot of videos of of hang on shootings. Hmm. And like, I think Hollywood has a lot to answer for, mm. and TV has a lot to answer for. You know, in the in the you know in the movies when there's like five bad guys and they all have machine guns and none of them are able to hit Arnold Schwarzenegger once. Mm. And he, he pulls up a gun and goes bang, bang, bang. Mm. Three of them are dead with three bullets. Mm. Like I've seen videos of lads getting, you know, live leak videos, of lads getting mm. shot and stuff like that. Mm. And they're running with a knife, and the guy is like with a GoPro, like, fum, 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 fum Put eight, ten bullets into him. Mm. And they're still running. Like, there's no such thing as like unless you have a big fucking Desert Eagle or a you know Magnum three fifty seven or some shit like that. Mm. Like, there's no shooting and them going ah and like being stopped by one nine millimeter bullet. Mm. Like okay. a nine, one shot from a pistol is not gonna stop anyone dead in their tracks if they're running towards you.
2: Mm.
1: Unless it's in coin unless it's in their head or your heart. Or uh, I mean, even at that, like, is it mm. if it's in your heart? you probably, you, you take another couple of steps at least, it's not this like stopping, mm. in the movies and you know, all, it has this mm. like stopping. You're still
2: time. life left in your oh, yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. looking at the positive, hey, t- <laughs> so you're going to dance the cha-cha <laughs> one more time.
1: <laughs> you're not like, oh, that was a bit stingy. Anyway, <laughs> like obviously it's not fucking totally dismissed, but like, yeah. if you're in a, a ravenous, murderous attack mode, mm. shooting you once in the chest, is not going to put you down. Mm. You need Seenly. a few. Yeah, 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 okay. You, you, need to, you need to have a few, so like, he shot him in the forehead, mm. right in the middle of the eyes in the forehead, and it, the bullet it wouldn't even penetrate the skull. That's how that's how flimsy the the twenty two pistol was okay, used. Yeah, yeah. Like a twenty two is a real small bullet. Like mm. so, it didn't go in, and the velocity didn't didn't make it go through the skull. It bounced off, and then Carl was like. <laughs> oh Henley uh, oh. You're fucking dead man And you talked You talked your way off the board You're fucking dead <laughs> I started running at him So he hit him twice in the shoulder And spun him around And then Dean was like Okay shit I'm going to have to go get something Possibly running for another weapon mm. Ran out the door Down the hall And and Henley stood at the doorway And he said he put three into his back Emptied the clip mm. Emptied the, the gun into, it, into his back Hmm. A close range probably. A close range And and Carl fell down the hall And, and was was You know Dying Bled out And hmm. died And the police that found him Said that he was like Weak looking And limp And grey hmm. Like not like a re- And he was naked as well Fully naked hmm. So like I've seen the picture And it's Fucking weird man Is he fully naked yeah Fully naked yeah No rumors on like you know, right. I just
2: thought, yeah, I just feel. You picture them with runners on. and up think, at the board, or, you yeah, could,
1: up at the board, doing your business. Because you, you would pants to, off or something. You wouldn't want to catch your toe on. Yeah, like yeah, wanna on be, like you want to be.
2: You know. want to be on your toes
1: a bit, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Get a bit of purchase because yeah. you're going to be doing like violent rapes and stuff like that. You want. You don't want yeah.
2: to. You want if you're you're going to be punching and kicking and stuff. Yeah. I imagine. So you imagine. You want to be the you, grip. But you don't want to get you stub your toe off As temple or whatever.
1: Yeah, or catch your catch your foot on like a nail that's coming out of your torture board or whatever.
2: And the, the the torture board, you saying it's changed it changed to this different positions? What it, was it? A kind of spin around thing? Like
1: the the, the could you spin around? Like, no, no, it wasn't that? wasn't like a you know those yokes you throw at fucking knives at, at mm. the one. No, it's not like that. It's mm. just like a big piece of plywood that's like a like the size of a small mm. bathroom mat.
2: Mm. No, I, so I've seen a picture of it all right, but I didn't know that the the. Uh, the mechanics behind
1: it, or what was going yeah, no, on? it's just tied to it, and then you can mm. then you undo them and flip them over. It's just to stop them from wriggling around. It's just mm. to keep them like spread eagled, spatchcock, Jesus. so he can get at whatever bits he needed to get at. Yeah. Like,
2: and was your man curly? Was he? Was he banged at the end? Did he did? Did your man get into him before he he? Well, he was this the thing he was? At, he
1: was at the two of them, mm. and 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 Rhonda was protesting. But was
2: uh, was was Dean already in Tim at this stage? Or was he kind of just He was
1: naked And getting ready I'd say
2: Was he kind of Loitering outside uh, Tim or was he (laughs) Was he in I I don't think I don't think he was in
1: I don't think he was in
2: Yeah, At least he gets to You know Gets away at the end
1: Yeah Mm -hmm. I mean The the relationship between Henley and Rhonda Like Henley knew Rhonda Mm. So then when Coral was like You have to cut off her clothes And rape her as well Mm. And then kill her and he mm. didn't want to do that. And then he asked, can I take her into the other room? And Carl turned on him, like, and brought him in and said, you fucking brought her here, you have to get rid of her. Mm. And he was, like, violent with him. Mm. And then, as he un Rhonda to cut, start cutting her clothes off, mm. she goes, like, he's going to kill us all. Like, he 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 almost killed you. You just mm. talked your way off the board. Like, you just, you just, um uh you just talked your way out of it. Mm. So you're free he's going to kill us all what are you going to do about it she said mm. what are you going to do about it so then he picked up the pistol and he laid shots into him mm. but she like convinced him to do that so yeah Rhonda had like basically got him over the line to turn on his master mm. and, and shoot him dead so when Dean was dead uh, Henley and uh, Henley was arrested obviously at the scene and he rang the cops Rhonda was like okay you got to ring the cops now you kill them Mm. He'd probably let you away with it. And uh, they rang the police and then when arrested, Henley confessed to his involvement with the murders and the deeds that he and Brooks had took part in with Dean. So he ratted Brooks out as well. And then Henley was arrested and convicted of six murders and Brooks, who claimed not to be present at any of the torture sessions, was indicted for four murders and convicted for just one. Mm. For each of the ones convicted, they got 99 years in prison. So Brooks got 99 and Henley got 99. Mm. And... Uh, only recently, David Brooks just died in prison this summer in May mm. from coronavirus mm. or complications therein. Um, and then Henley is still in prison and he was eligible for parole in 1980, but has been denied each time that he applied. And his next date for potential parole release is October 2025, where he'll be 69 years of age. Wow. So, I mean, there was no, um, <clears throat> there was no quarter for him. There was no kind of forgiveness or there was no... Empathy around the fact that he was manipulated by Dean Corll. They were like, "Well, shit, you done it, man. You're going to jail forever." Well, he was 15. hadn't he was involved in the
2: killings, really,
1: wasn't he? He was, but at 15, could yeah. you be fully Are you culpable? Be
2: yeah, as if, yeah, I know. He's 15 year old. Um, he claimed that he was being manipulated, but like he's up to 17, wasn't he? At the end there, yeah. He still wasn't I any. Mean, he still wasn't an adult. I know, but, but they Jesus, gave him man, forever in freaking, prison. Yeah.
1: Um, he tried to say like yeah you know I got I got f- I got fucked up like Dean Carl fucked me up mm. but was it enough to get him away of prison no
2: yeah it is a bit, it, it is a bit rough if you look at kind of the bulger killers or something like that they're out of
1: prison and well sure they got they didn't even, they, they went to like a juvenile detention centre mm. and got released when they were 18 18 yeah and one of them cunts is always into child porn and keeps on getting caught mm. and, and identifying himself to the public Mm-hmm. And then fucking they they, they give a him him new again, identity yeah, and hide yeah. him again.
2: What's why are they trying to hide him? So uh, I
1: think because it's part of a bigger. But him in particular, yeah, they, they're part. They, they know too much. They're part of a a, a a ring of shit that was going on at the time of a whole episode on it. So it's they, fucked up.
2: They were getting banged. You reckon? Yeah,
1: hundred percent. That's why they did that shit. Okay,
2: they were getting banged by fucking I don't know politicians or something. Yeah, That's somebody what, up okay, the way. Yeah, yeah, makes and sense. And then they
1: did that shit, and it was like, oh shit, now that. The head is above the parapet. We gotta.
2: I must listen to that episode. It's just I was I was alive at that, that point in time. So yeah. you know, you just thought you know
1: the crack. It's a fucking harrowing case. You don't wanna be. Yeah, it goes deeper than. Yeah, it goes deeper than just man. two young lads randomly for no reason who'd never had yeah. that happen in their lives. You know, put a kid and chop him in half on a train, and that's tracks. not
2: that's not really out there in the in the no. public
1: the forum, like you know. <gasps> Um, It's weird right? Yeah I must give it a listen man So then to finish off the area around the crimes uh, Houston Heights that took place uh, is now almost fully renovated and gentrified and the old houses that these lads were living in these families were living in are been pulled down and replaced with these hipster townhouses and pet salons and you know avocado toast cafes or whatever but there's no memorial plaques erected for the victims and this story has fallen from a lot of people's minds maybe because it was overshadowed by cases around the time like Ted Bundy uh, or other myriad serial killers that were plaguing uh, the 1970s of America. Like, serious criminal, <laughs> serious uh, serial killer activity in the 70s. Uh, people like John Wayne Gacy then, who beat the record for the most serial murders by killing 33 young men, very shortly afterwards was convicted, uh, very shortly after, like, Dean Corl's, um death. So, like, like Corll was, like, the number one killer in America until he had maybe about six months at the top before John Wayne Gacy was discovered and he had killed 33, so Carl had gone off the maps. Now, Mm. you know, the killer clown, John Wayne Gacy, was a great package uh, story for the news to be able to blast out the whole time, like, killer clown, John Wayne Gacy. Mm. And it totally overshadowed Dean Carl's crimes and possibly the fact that Dean had two teen accomplices, which was never heard of before. And it happened so easily in this area. And it may have shown the failures of the Houston Police Department and, and their ineptness to be able to deal with this case that was happening the whole time. Kids were going missing the whole time. Mm. Um, the way Gacy picked his victims, everybody was separate. Like this is nearly all from one little kind of township, like one little kind of housing estate pretty much. Mm. 28 kids had gone missing at the hands of Dean Coral. And, like, the Houston police were absolutely culpable. So maybe they were like, Jesus, say nothing about this in the fucking news. Uh, Make sure everyone's talking about the killer clown and not about, like, how shit we are. So similar to Gacy, there's more uh, sinister and wide-reaching elements to the story. Like, Gacy was into, like, um, Freemason shit. Like, he had organizations. And he used to have these parties in his basement where young lads would come over. Mm. And they'd do the same thing. And they'd pick his victim. And then the next thing, he'd be engaged in kind of homosexual activity Did it turn into... Like, let's let's not turn this rape into a murder and then it turn into a murder kind of thing. And uh, Coral was even maybe implicated in human trafficking and maybe murder for hire. So who knows how many murders were committed before this official count that was given out of 28. Like, Coral was, like, saying to... That's how we got David Brooks online with him. He was like, OK, Brooks, you need to bring me these bodies. i give you £200 a pop. $200 a pop, which is, what did you say, 1300 now in today's money. And Brooks was like, well, what are you going to do with them?" Like, I don't know. And he's like, "What, what we're doing is we're taking them in, and they're for for sex trafficking. We're mm. going to we're going to make like child porn with them and force them to do this porn, or we're going to traffic them out as like rent boys and and you know fuck them." And mm. he's like, oh, okay, then. And That's then, okay. And then he was doing that for ages, and then when he walked in on on Coral himself mm. killing two lads, Brooks was like, "This is not what you said. This is way worse." Mm. So. How long was Coral doing it? Was he actually involved in sex trafficking through the sixties? Was he was he the bin man? Was he the was he the garbage man? Like when when, when these twelve year olds were done with mm. were they like we gotta call Dean. Dean Dean loves to dig. Mm. So in the Houston area, Yeah. maybe there was like a pedophile ring involved in taking in these young lads, using them up for sex, and then we'd ship them off to Dean's Gaff. Mm. And then Dean had disposed and This is up, up until he started, like I'm saying, in the 60s, maybe that shit was going on and then when the supply stopped and Dean didn't get, he was calling for afters on all these mm. kids, you know, basically. Yeah. Le- you leave them to me and I, I'll, I'll give them their last rape and, and then I'll chop them up and get rid of them for you. Wink. Mm. And maybe when, when that supply dried up in 1969 or 1970, he was like, I kind of liked doing that so I'm going to continue doing that on my own. Mm. Like an entrepreneur or whatever, and he hooked Brooks in and all. Yeah, at that point,
2: it sounds feasible. Definitely feasible. There, I mean, you know. it, it's, none it, of it
1: makes sense, but like
2: the sex ring thing makes uh, <sighs> makes sense. Really, you know, cause you, you might have started started getting kids. If you're if you're saying eight hundred thousand kids go missing a year, yeah, that's even in that's recently. Jesus like, man, what? with
1: like internet and all this. F- f- the c- I, had the CCTV. No
2: I had no idea. I no idea. Yeah, it's bananas. Eight hundred thousand fucking kids. Yeah, bananas. That's, like, incredible. Like, mm. in the, like In this day and age, with, with fucking phones and stuff, Phone like tracking how would and they not, Yeah, man.
1: How would you not find... Amber tracking? Alerts and all this. This is before Amber Alerts. This is before, like, uh, even even a, uh, <clears throat> a properly nation, nationalised news service. Mm. So you had networks that were syndicated across the whole country. But there was no way that you could get, like, a broadcast to everybody in the country. So if you, like, kidnap someone in Texas, within two days you could have them in, like, Wyoming... And they'd never be found again. What do you mean? There's no, there's no, uh... there's no nationalized communication service, so you couldn't like, you'd have to contact like dozens of different newsrooms to be Mm. able to get that child's picture on the news for everybody. Whereas now, like, you send it to one place, you send it to like your CNNs or your Mm. NBC News, Mm. and they'll be able to do. to to centralize the information and get it out to everybody immediately mm. but back then like you had to ring you had to post photos and you had to scan them into the thing and but you know it wasn't a quick turnaround
2: but like there's 800,000 kids gone missing say what were you saying last year yeah in in america yeah and, uh, are these kids' pictures getting put in the news every? Yeah, day? they are, yeah, because
1: they're... 800,000 of them. They're, they're like, they're, there's amber alerts going out for all of these kids, and a lot of them are found, but a lot of them are not found. What's an amber alert? It's like uh, the system that they have for tracing kids. Like, they say you have to find them within the first 48 hours, or mm. else they're the, gone. the chances of them being dead or never found again are very, very high.
3: Mm.
1: So the amber alert it sends out, like, texts to people's phones. It, send, it puts, like, emergency radio broadcasts. It puts... Like it cuts into the TV Mm. and all that stuff going in your area amber alert there's a child last seen wearing these clothes uh, maybe in a car like a white you know Ford Focus and it's being driven by a white male with blonde hair if you see them please report and it Mm. just goes out to everyone at the same time and that's a really good way of being able to be like oh I just saw that car just turned down blah 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 street or whatever Mm. and people are able to find the kids a bit quicker but that's a system that's only relatively recent this is 1960s Like, Mm. there's fuck all happening. And if he's, like, getting rid of kids that have been passed around like a joint at some fucking mad elitist sex party, some paedophile ring sex party. Mm. And Dean Corral is burying him at the back of the factory because that's what he loves to do, loves to dig. Mm. He's getting the afters. And he just got used to it. And then the kids were, he he just needed, like, the patches. He wasn't able to give up. Mm. You know, so he was like, okay, I need to do these on my own. And he found Brooks and he's like, okay, you need to bring me some kids because I, I, I really liked doing that stuff to those other kids and like, mm. I want to keep doing it. That's the only explanation I can, I can come up with. Like, just he, he just went from nothing to being really good at it. Mm. And there's no way you're really good at it from the start. Like no. it's very rare that you would be that good.
2: No, I doubt it. You know, it's, there's a lot of fucking... There's a lot in it. There's really so fucking, much. What are you doing? You have to put the body in a bag... Um, Cover. He had he had loads of line. The whole as time. well. Yeah, yeah. I got no line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you
1: you get the line this time. I get the fucking shovels. Yeah, it's fucked up, dude. Like, um, yeah. and 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 what's mad is, it's often in one area, and then the parents were so willing to believe that their kids just ran away. I mean, here's a that's ma- crazy. Here's a matter. Dude. Imagine imagine it was a
2: P that All the parents were just banging their kids yeah. or banging all the kids. They're all involved somehow. Just all just banging each other's kids, and then. I nah, fuck going down the place Daddy yeah, ran away from
1: Mount Grand That's yeah. perfect That'll do Maybe they were taking money For keeping their mouth shut Yeah Maybe they, they had something on them Yeah you'd never know man You'd never know And I do think like stuff like We're talking about on a show In the future um, Pizza Gate episode The likes of Epstein mm. He has pictures of every cunt Hunched over like a child's body mm. In that place yeah, pictures of every kind, and those pictures are in the hands of other people now.
2: They're not; they wouldn't have be Lane, Maxwell or whatever. No. Or they, someone high up is after saying here, "Fuck you, I'm getting them and yeah. it has them, has all the, the the."
1: Yeah, and they're making people do like they're, they're, those people are owned. They're all owned, mm. and I think on a on a on a smaller level, mm. like places like Houston Heights, may not have been the epicenter for that, mm-hmm. but it could have been Dean. Could have been like the the last link in a chain of. People that were involved in human trafficking, creation of child porn, snuff mm. movies, mm. Um, or, like ordering kids to sexually abuse for hire, and then you have to get rid of the body. So who do you call? Dang. The Candyman. Yeah. he yeah. get rid of them shits for you. Fuck that. So a lot of the stuff was off his own impetus, the stuff that he's famous for and the stuff that's confirmed. But the supposition is he was very good at it from the start, from September 1970, his first official kill mm. was done very very well and it couldn't have been done that well if it was just like a crime of passion or something mm. that he'd had to have practice with doing the shit before oh, the chap obviously loved it you know so yeah. was, loved it was I think Wayne of... Henley loved it too mm. Um. so yeah that's the story of Dean Coral for this episode Um. we do at the end of the episode we get a little off the fence so I just ask you for your opinion on a few little things and we finish up God, man. so young Dean mm. was the anything in Dean's life that you think could have triggered him off doing this or do you think it's just like inert feeling inside him that just made him want to do this because it uh, seemed like he had a pretty good life
2: yeah he was, it, there was just obviously something there I, I, you know nobody's really nasty at the core I don't believe you know yeah. it's, it's, it's conditioning like a, yeah you know I'd say um, maybe in the trailer park he was getting banged um, yeah someone had their hand in in the army you know in his granny's there's a lot of, there has to be in some sort of violence in his life. You know, he must have been getting battered by maybe all the ex husbands or as well. It was yeah. the 50s as well, you know. Maybe he enjoyed the battering as well. She was she was divorced from three dudes at that point. Mm. And then his Mickey was a bit deformed, so he was probably got laughed at, He probably got a bit of a laugh. You know, who yeah. hasn't got their Mickey laughter? <laughs> I, yeah,
1: <laughs> I have. It affects. Yeah, have. yeah. what did you get for taking it out of the party, though, I suppose. Ruined at dinner party. <laughs>
2: But uh, yeah, that could be people, something People will never forget that, Kristen
1: <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's it's um, it's um I think it's something psychological That affected him That time away in his grannies was definitely something mm. Something happened there Yeah, yeah, possibly, yeah His granny hugged him too much Or didn't hug him enough
2: Maybe, something.
1: or granny had mates around And they <laughs> were banging him, you know Something, man Something happened there. And it's a dark period Because obviously Dean Corliss Brown bread since 1973 So we never mm-hmm. get to ask him Like, we we won't get that John Wayne Gacy moment. Yeah. You know? Mm. Um so second question, and the candy man, do you think that the white van, the bag of sweets that was the, the hangover, the social hangover that was held up as like the existential threat to every single youth in America and in fact the world, like the English speaking mm. world where there's a man who try and get you into his van with sweets mm. like it. his crimes were overshadowed by Bundy and Gacy at the time and the 70s were absolutely replete with very prolific and now famous serial killers mm. that kind of overshadowed Dean Corll because you never really hear you hear Bundy Dahmer Kemper mm. you know Berkowitz Son mm. Sam or you know John Wayne Gacy it was all around this time mm. but you don't hear Dean Corll no. mentioned that much no and yet the epitome of a dirty cunt trying to steal your kids by mm. getting you into the van with sweets that's dean coral yeah so do you think that like the Candyman should be more famous that people should know more about this and in in the in the uh discovery of this story people might trigger some memories or they might find something that runs a little bit deeper in houston some kind of Pedo stuff, maybe, like a ring, maybe.
2: Yeah, I'd say there's there's definitely a ring there. Yeah, um, I t- I think the whole I think he should be more famous. The the wife van and the the like, he's the text, he's the textbook rapist, yeah. you know. Like if there was a, if there was a rape Ken doll, <laughs> this he'd be he'd be the, he'd be the doll, yeah. you know. With the van, the sweets, the
1: fucking, you It's know. the epitome. Of yeah, it really the, is the, the, the street yeah. pedophile. Yeah, I think that's that's the way. That's the story that has kept the legend alive of mm. Dean Corll. That it's like there's a man in a white van with no windows mm. that's going to take you away. Mm. The Candy Man's coming for you, and yeah. where people don't know the details of the crime itself because it's been obfuscated for you know reasons that we can only guess. Mm. Um, there's a way that folklore or that like, you know, these like. Uh, 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 etymological or uh, uh, analogous terms mm. these allegories that we tell our kids like oh you know don't fucking don't walk under a ladder because mm. it's bad luck you mm. only tell them that you don't explain to them like if you walk under a ladder and the ladder above mm. uh, uh, drops the paint can mm. if you're on the outside of the ladder it's not going to hit you but if you're on the inside it will hit you or mm. to, like, don't open an umbrella inside because you get the water everywhere mm. but people won't care mm. Unless you tell him it's bad luck, and then they'll do what they're told. You yeah, know? yeah. So like, this is kind of like the candy man is like, don't get into it, don't don't take sweets off of strangers.
2: Hmm. We, we, it'd be interesting. If, is that the actual first time? Like, is there, a, I you know. Yeah, can, you, to can, you, can you can you to trace back
1: forties and thirties where people saying it then? What well, the etymology of hmm. the pedo and the white van with sweets. Why with the sweets? Don't take sweets from strangers. Where did that come from? Like, yeah. I would like to know that. Mm. I guess maybe around Halloween as well. Like, there's a lot of stuff in the in the early eight or the early eighties, let's say, mm. where there was these rumors of like, oh yeah, they're going to put fucking blades in your chocolate bars and
2: yeah, but that's kind of that. That's the van thing for me. That, there's needles, that was, needles yeah, in yeah. the
1: cookies, so don't give it any cookies. Yeah. And I was like, that's totally the fucking uh, the chocolate industrial complex trying to make you buy like mm. the official packaged sweets and not. You know, have have yeah. housewives making their own cookies. They wanted a slice of the fucking Halloween candy mm. game. Yeah, so they're like nails, just nails just needles. and needles and shit
2: AIDS. to scare
1: people just away from something. it. Yeah, yeah, making their own stuff, yeah. you have to buy the real stuff. Mm. Um, no more than Dean Carl and his white van and his bag of sweets mm. was like, if you do that, you'll get raped. Yeah, if I, it, the it, etymology you, is there to be found.
2: Like that would have been a good scare tactic if yeah. if you had to showed kids the rape board. And put yeah. a little dummy on it or something as a kid, yeah. That would fucking
1: it conjures up images of Christ on the cross as well, and mm. there's like other, there's weird stuff to it. Like there's weird like connotations that get you in your in the deepest part of your soul. You're like mm. it's recognizable in some weird way. Mm. Do you know what I mean?
2: I'd love to know what he was listening to even when when it was when it was going on. Yeah. Like you know, maybe it was some sort of Christian music. You know, and he's he's up there, he's tying him to the. There
1: could be something in that, you know. Maybe he was a religious zealot. Maybe when he went out to, to his granny's, like, she was, like, making him pray the whole time and he got, like, mad about God and, mm. you know. I fucking love for the come to be still alive. You <laughs> find so much out. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, being the quintessential paedophile and all that stuff. Mm. Um, then, so, the, the puppet mastery that he had over Brooks and Henley. Do you think that it was all Carl and he had full autonomous control over these two lads and was able to make him do awful terrible stuff against their will or did they kind of want to do it and they just found an excuse in doing it with Dean? I think they they were young kids. I think he just
2: uh, um, had so much... Oh, He had Henley's brothers over him kind of thing. Yeah. I think Henley was afraid of that. Yeah, I think he did but I, I don't think it's an excuse really. I think they should have killed him. I think your man... Um, they should have killed him earlier Henley he should have killed him I mean, the minute he mentioned his brothers he should have said F-
1: this is getting yeah, you're, too you're early, going, man yeah. we have to just get out of this like, yeah, it's, like a, what it's are hard. we doing it's hard to get yourself out of it too and the fact that they're victims mm. people will say like oh you only stayed in there because like they say that about um, Natasha Campush and they say that about mm. uh, JC Lee Dugard like they had their chances to escape their captors mm. but they couldn't be sure if it worked or mm. not and if it didn't work they and their families were in shit. Yeah. So like, Henley could have been like, are you threatening my family? Well, fuck you. He didn't know if that was going to mean the end of him mm. and his family. And like, the minute he fucking turned around, he was on the board. I oh,
2: know, man, yeah. And he couldn't be thinking, like three times lucky, he's not going to get off that board again. Oh, exactly. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: So, I mean, um, there is an element of thinking like, yeah, they must have stuck around because they loved it. Because like, what did he have over them, really? Mm. You have to remember... He met them both when they were very, very young. Like Brooks was twelve, Henley was fifteen. Mm. I wouldn't think Brooks loved it. I'd say Brooks was Brooks wanted out. Brooks wanted a few quid, he
2: and a few he Bob. Was a, he wasn't. He bought he a was, house, yeah. got
1: his mom pregnant, mm. moved out of town. Yeah,
2: um, I'm not saying you know he's still a prick. You know, <laughs> yes, of course. But and Henley, um, I think Henley, Henley maybe worse, enjoyed it a I little think, bit more. Yeah, I think Henley was a little bit worse in his. Um, I just think there's was, there was a bit from reading about Henley is um, bringing the girl on the last night Yeah If that girl hadn't said the right words there you know she was gone Like,
1: Yeah he would like uh, I think Henley was more susceptible to getting people to let, let them off the board than Coral was mm. Like Coral once you're on the board you're on it mm. Henley got away twice because he really took a shine to him I think he loved him in a way Yeah But I think Henley had a lot more kind of chinks in the armour when it came to like psychological fortitude, and Rhonda was able to be like, "You gotta stop this, mm. Wayne. You have to stop this, please." And he was just like, uh, "At seventeen, and mm. it just went bang." Like if he had a missed Dean, mm. it was all over for all three of them.
2: Yeah, we'd probably have more information
1: on Coral now for
2: this podcast.
1: You know, yeah, maybe so. I think Coral, if he had a survived, probably would have spilled his guts to everybody because mm. he was that that seemed that type. Mm. Uh, very convenient for Brooks and Henley to be able to rewrite history mm. and write their own version of it. What I don't understand, and this is the maddest thing, what I don't understand is why Henley and Brooks confessed to all the stuff they confessed to. Why did they not just go, oh yeah, Dean done everything. Mm. And then they wouldn't have to go to jail.
2: Yeah, what what's, that, that just shows the level of intelligence as well that you're dealing with, you know. The, like if,
1: I mean, it's, a, it's a, you know, a, a, a clean soul gets into heaven faster or whatever, but like... Mm. But y- you know, you don't want to be a hundred years in jail. <laughs> mm,
2: you want to have a clean soul yeah. at, the, at Liffey Valley, like you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, them,
1: yeah, yeah. I'd rather have a clean soul at the <laughs> cinema McDonald's, than a you know, yeah. than a, you know yeah. be fucking in a bunk eight, <coughs> eight by six bunk or whatever. so yeah it's fucked up, dude. Um. So yeah, uh, the last part then um is I want to ask you about the overarching potential for Coral being the last link in the paedophile chain. Like the way that the Houston police willfully ignored a lot of the information. Mm. Yeah. It's, I, like, is that is that a possibility or is it just like, is, is Coral just like a murderer of chance and he managed to get a few lads around him and just, is he, it, what I'm asking is, is Coral operating on his own with Henley and Brooks and just doing those murders and he was just like a fucked up lad who owned a candy factory or is he part of something bigger and that's why he was willfully ignored by the police mm. um, and they left they left him alone t- to his own devices it would make a lot of sense
2: that he was being ignored by the police yeah yeah he it would, would. Um, he probably was uh, collecting kids for a sex ring where'd he get all these like 200 quid a pop 200, <laughs> £200, £200 a money, yeah.
1: that's fucking
2: 50 grand or something was it 50 yeah.
1: 50 grand but he did own, he did own a, a, a candy empire
2: yeah, but went to the, went to the wall, didn't it? I know. It? The well, you squirrel sure, away the money, like it's you know. squirrel away, I suppose. Yeah. You're
1: able to fucking. You're smart enough to not get caught for murders for years. So.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah. I would. I. am kind of on the the, the sex thing. ring. Thing. Yeah, me too.
1: Yeah. I think there's definitely something deeper and and in Houston at the time, as well. There was kind of like an uh, what would you call it? The eugenics kind of a thing where it's like the Houston police were like, oh, all these fucking cons from the heights, they're oh. all just like. Bums and drug addicts and fuck asses, like, all going around ruining the town. Mm. It's nearly better that there's none of these on the streets. You know, this mm. attitude that yeah. they had against the Crips and the Bloods or whatever. Mm. Let them just kill let them just kill each other. Mm. And then we'll be rid of them. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. I think maybe there's an attitude of the police. is like, we're not even going to bother getting involved. Because, like, we fucking go down there and we start asking, does anybody see anything? And everyone's like, I ain't snitching. And you're like, oh, fuck's sake. All right, go mm. on. So, yeah. There's no point in even trying because... They're leaving notes and sending running away to California. No one's gonna to want to come back from California like the bullshit.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know?
1: yeah. Um yeah, it's a fucked up story, bro. Yeah, it Isn't
2: really it? is, man. Yeah, it was it was uh it was quite disturbing for the last couple of days watching stuff on it. I was like, Jesus yeah. Christ, man. He's the, a mad the, cunt. The 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 things up the Mickey, what were really they good they state? The glass tubes, tubes, yeah. Like that is like when I mean, you're not even talking about it, it feels like it's that what being
1: triggered feels like? Yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. like, oh my god, ah. <laughs> put them in your dick and then smash them. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's rough, isn't it? Yeah, that's a rough... that's really in in like in real torture ingenuity there. Like, like that's pretty. I've never heard that before. That's pretty original.
2: Mm, like like you're you're on the board. Dean's in. He's banging away. And believe it or not, like this is go- this is going to be the best moment of the rest of your life. Before he gets the glass, right? You know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. That bang, you know. It's the last. That's that's the best moment of the rest of your <laughs> life because Mickey's getting bitten off
1: and you're getting. When you, you see it, when you, know you, know you I mean? describe it like that, it's the best moment of the rest of your life.
2: If you analyse it, man. If you if you if yeah. say when I was thinking, the two guys he got fighting, he, he, two guys fighting each other, and he killed one of them on the one board, and the other guy was looking at him. When I mean, like Dean crawls over to him and gets on and just, I'm sure he's going to be gentle at the start. He's going to go slow rhythm at the start. He's going to break his banjo. String, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he sees in and out, and if you're anyway analytical after watching the fucking murder, you are going to think like, Jesus, this is this is going to be the, this is the high point yeah. of the rest of the evening. This is like it, like you know, because you just watched all the down whole whole on stuff after this. Done yeah. to the other fella. Yeah, yeah. Fuck
1: man. I wonder what Dean Carl be doing them one at a time, uh like like start to finish one and then start to finish the other or is he like spinning plates like you know like a chef taking ah, care of all he's the pans jumping in doing and out, a bit of this maybe. a bit of
2: that well but according to the two the, the two brother I think it was two brothers it was two guys anyway he killed one of them while the other one watched oh. uh, raped and killed him and then got ready to get up on him. the, the next guy like, you know after a refractory period yeah after yeah he'll, he'll just chill out have a joint probably and then come yeah. back in and go hey, I'm back fucked up dude Mm. Messy, man. <laughs> well
1: that's it for Dean Corll. Um If like I said Anything we said in the show us uh, your gig or you want to chat about it Info at those conspiracy guys Do jump in to the Discord if you want to chat With other people and we'll be doing a live chat about this During the week so you can bring your extra Dean Coral information if you want to uh, Come and chat with me and other TCG fans about it um, Any of the social media or anywhere you want To get me is in the magic link in the description Below And I'm quite uh, active on Instagram, but the rest of them can all fuck off. Uh, But let me know, uh, send me a a, uh, a DM and ask for the invite for the Discord channel and i send it over to you. And if you want to listen to this show ad-free and get loads of extra content and support me and what we're doing over here at TCG Towers, uh, patreon.com slash guys is the place where you can do that. You get loads of stuff for your support. And uh, like I said, ad-free episodes for all of this stuff. All it leaves me to do is say thanks. So much to my guest Andrew Gilmore. Thank you very much, sir, for being here. Thanks, man. It was a pleasure. Thanks Come more. over again and do another one some other time. Maybe oh, not so insanely crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so so super dark. Yeah. But um yeah, man, it was good. It's good crack. And uh if you want to find Andrew, it's at Andrew Comedy on Twitter. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And on YouTube, Andrew Gilmore Comedy. Yeah. I'll put the links for those in the description below as well. So thanks very much for listening. This has been Nose Conspiracy Guys. My name is Gordo. I'm Andrew and we'll see you again next time.
2: Goodbye. Bye-bye.